and welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews podcast. Today is Monday, so that means it's another Marvel Monday. And today I'm here not only with Tristan, but with a special guest co-host, my friend M. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about the 2013 Thor The Dark World. This is directed by Alan Taylor and written by Christopher Yost, Christopher Marcus, and Stephen McFeely. And it is starring... Got to look at the list first. Don't want to forget anyone. It's starring Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, and Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Well, there's a bunch of other people in there too, but that about covers the main people. Um, so before we delve into the grid, talk about what works, and more importantly with this movie, what does not work, um, let's talk just a little bit about, uh, when we first saw this movie, what we thought, uh, just some general, uh, discussions. I don't know who wants to, to... Um, Sure. <laughs> the first time I saw this movie was on Valentine's Day, which was a choice. And <laughs> needless to say, it was not love at first sight. No, I can't imagine it would be. But it was an experience, and so... I at least had an idea of what I was getting into this time around. Yeah, that's good, because we did not have an idea of what we were getting either time. We've seen it twice, That this is, we really can't see, I'm talking to Tristan. Yeah. Uh, but we saw it in theaters twice, or we didn't see it, no, we did not do that. Uh, <laughs> we, we saw I didn't. It, no, we saw it in theaters once, and then saw it. Uh, before Thor Ragnarok came out, we kind of binged watched the first two, and then went and saw the third one in theaters. And, uh, yeah, rewatching it uh, that second time, I was like, I remember it not leaving much of a mark, but I don't remember it being bad. Um, so it was kind of like being uh, disappointed all over again when we uh, went and rewatched it. At least that's Watching how- this in movies. Jesus. <laughs> so I also remember the first time we watched this in movie theaters, and I remember leaving theater and walking home and just sort of thinking yeah that was a movie and there are dudes punching each other and that was pretty much it and I have similar feelings this time I think my feelings have intensified this time I'm gonna try I should say up front my goal (laughs) man my goal just personally is to try to try to be fair try to find positive things to celebrate instead of dwelling on the negative um that's just kind of my what I try to do with all of my reviews. And, and I think it's going to be really, really hard for me. There's literally um, looking at just not categories, but subcategory, like with all, all of the, all of the everything, 50 subcategories, whatever. Uh, there's only like two positive things I can see on here to talk about. Um, so I'm, I, I, I just wanted to be clear. I'm not trying to be mean and I want to find things to celebrate. And it's going to be real hard for me. And I'm going to try not to be too mean. It's not to say that uh, either of you can't be mean or even that I can't be mean. It's it's not a rule. It's just my philosophy. It kind of sounds like you're hinting that you want us to be mean. <laughs> no, I just don't. I don't know. I just feel bad. So I'm just getting this out front that like, I don't want to just be like mean. and just like, this movie's awful. Let's just make fun of it. Like, like I want to break down why it's bad and what doesn't work and, and praise it for the few things it does do well, which is, is really, like I said, there's like two things on here that I can talk about in that regard. Um, but anyway, that's just my blanket statement out there of, of 
I don't want to be mean, but this is not a good movie. Well, so. it's not being mean. It's just having an honest review. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that is absolutely accurate. Um, so anyway, with that out of the way, uh, is there anything else uh, either of you would like to add before we delve into what exactly went wrong with this movie? Please, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything um, you want to add? No, I'm ready. All right, uh, so the first area, and this is a doozy to jump into, the first category is going to be plot and genre. Um, and I, I don't even know where to start with this one. And no matter where I start, it's going to be a rant. Um, so I don't know if, if anything strikes either of you to, to jump right into or, or if I should just pick a Or plot structure? Uh, uh, just plot and genre in general, all five oh. subcategories. Uh, well, one thing that I did like is that it showed the other nine realms. Well, few of them. I don't think it showed all of them. Yeah. But that was really interesting. Uh, so I bumped up the world building stuff for that. And it also, uh, we got to see more of Asgard. Yeah. Which was really cool. I like that. And we even saw uh, ravens, which are from Norse mythology. True. Which I'm always a fan of that. All right. Good place to start. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, what did you think about those awesome outer goals? What outer goals? <laughs> like there was... I just don't even know where to start with this movie. I mean, I feel like the plot structure is the biggest criticisms of this movie is that the plot makes very little sense and it is riddled with holes. Um, I mean, just things like, like the whole plot is just based on people being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. But like all the plot, like why were these people where they were for half the movie? Like it just makes very little sense. Um, so that was something that didn't get a super high score for me. Well, nothing got, everything was, was either unsatisfactory or below expectations in both of the writing categories for me. I'll just say that right off of that. Um, (sighs) Take a breath. I know. One of the biggest issues that I had with it is that the whole movie is centered around them taking this object that could be a harbinger of death or like a bringer of the apocalypse and saying, we have it, we won't destroy it, we're going to bury it. And I started listing off all of the movies I could think of where they start the movie by burying this thing. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, there's Jumanji, there's a mummy. What happens? It always gets discovered. Exactly. It never goes right. And not only did they decide to bury it, but they buried it apparently at one of these convergence sites and they buried it during a convergence. So they would have known, like, why would, why would they take that spot? And it's a spot that uh, Himdall can't see. Why would they pick a spot that he can't see? Shouldn't it be a place that he can keep his watch on? Like there's got to be very few places in the in all nine realms that he cannot see. And for some reason, that's in a place that he's like, oh, well, she went somewhere. I don't know where she went. I can't see her. It's probably a, a thing he should be keeping his eye on. Um, yeah, I think they wanted to like pretend that it was destroyed and just keep it a secret. Well, that that was that was my third point is why lie about it being destroyed? Because now it's like, not only have you hidden it. And hidden it somewhere easy to find at the exact time when you don't want somebody to find And then you're going to lie and tell everyone that it's destroyed so they didn't even know that they should be looking for it when this happens. I don't know what they were thinking. Like, yeah. none of it makes sense. Um, 
it just doesn't make sense. And then even how how Jane finds it is just like, well, that was convenient. You just, I mean, I know she like had her devices and was like looking for it, I guess, but like. But there were the 10 year olds that had found it first and could have just as easily stumbled upon it. Yeah. And so like if a 10 year old who has no idea about these intergalactic things and or and can still like discover these things like that's not a good system yeah <sighs> yeah um so i do think it's worth talking about with this movie i wasn't entirely sure where to bring it up but i found a quote that made me think that i should bring it up here um i do think it's very important when talking about maybe not very important that might be exaggerating but i think it's important to talk about the fact that um, Patty Jared to direct this movie and quit over creative differences, quote unquote, which <laughs> happened to several people in this movie. There's not a place people wanted to work. Um, but I found this quote that I think is is really telling of uh, just just the, the plot in general. Uh, and it's a very diplomatic quote on her part. So, so cheers to her for that. <laughs> but, um, but this is her quote. I said, I could have made a great Thor if I could have done the story that I was wanting to do, but I don't think I was the right person to make a great Thor out of the story they wanted to do. Burn. I mean, that's a very diplomatic way of just saying I wanted to make a different story than they wanted to make, and I wasn't the right person to tell that story. But what she's not saying is that it's not a good story. Like, they should have gone with her vision. Um, Because she had wanted, I guess she had wanted to do like a a Romeo and Juliet type plot where like Jane's on Earth and he's on Asgard and he's like forbidden to see her. And it's like a. And it would have been so much better with the first movie. Exactly. Which we both talked about having a lot of Shakespearean tones to it. Exactly. And I was was lacking that so much. I kept looking for it and being like, yeah. Can we get a little bit of that in the plot at least? Yeah. And that was one of the things, like it it not only lacked the the Shakespeareanness that the first one had, uh, but it also just didn't even feel like a, a superhero movie, let alone a Marvel movie. Like it just it just felt so bland. Like I gave the um the uh genre cliches, tropes and twists category, I gave it below expectations, not because it was riddled with cliches, but because it didn't have a single trope. Right. Where I was like, okay, I know I'm in a superhero movie here's a trope. Like, there was no signifiers other than the fact that, like, okay, we've got Thor. Like, without that, it's it's not right. even a superhero movie, um, which is just disappointing. Because I, I could see an argument being made that the first Thor did the same thing, but because it went this very Shakespearean route, I feel like it, it got away with it. And it was still an origin story, and it subverted expectations within the origin story cliche. So, I mean, the first one did a lot with genre, even though it still didn't have a lot of those tropes. Um, and then this one was just bland. It, it just, it didn't feel like a superhero movie. It didn't feel like a fantasy movie. A lot of the criticisms I was reading about it um, mentioned that it, it just felt like a, a knockoff Game of Thrones or something. I'm like, I don't know if I quite see that, but I get I get the vibe they're going for. Like, it just felt like a bland fantasy-ish. But then, I don't know. No, like for the tropes, cliches, like, they didn't just not do subversive things. They walked back and literally objectified Jane Foster. Oh, my God, yeah. And it's just, like, how can you, after the first one, yeah, like, do this, I don't know, um, 
just like stepping back 20 years or, or something, um, which is kind of, unfortunately, phase two of, of the MCU in general is not particularly female friendly, um, but this is a particularly egregious offense. I think it's just very, like you said, they literally turn her into an object and she just passes out when she's no longer convenient to the plot. It's like, okay, I guess we're just going to ignore her for a bit and just... I have, I have a lot more. I, I have a whole rant I'll save for the next category, but um, no, it's fine. I just like I'm trying to restrain myself because it's just I, ha- I have a lot of issues with the way her her character was handled, as does Natalie Portman. There's a reason she's not in the MCU anymore, um, and it's largely because of um, I mean she she was totally on board when Jenkins was going to direct. Like that was one of the main reasons she like signed on to. I mean I I don't know. I'm sure when she did the first Thor, she signed a contract that, that said she was going to do this one. But like that was the big reason. She's like, okay, yeah, I'm excited about this. And then when Jenkins left, like she tried to quit, and they were like, oh, wow. like you're, or at least that's the rumor. I don't know if that's true, but rumor has it she tried to quit and was contractually obligated, and so she had to stay. But if I read this script, I was like, this is what they're doing to my character. Like I would be pissed. Like it's 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 a huge step backward. In 2013, like Natalie Portman is in this established like oh, yeah. Oscar caliber actress not just like a strong actress but Oscar caliber like yeah what are we gonna do um she's just gonna lie around <laughs> yeah and even I mean this is really dipping into the into characters and into into acting and casting but um I have a feeling it's gonna come up in several categories so I'm well, we might as well tell it in Fortress Den you just this is not your more to say I'm sure we will um I heard Tarzan say that one too many times. <laughs> too many times by this. I do think it's interesting. Um, there's there's just a lot. I, I did look up a lot of like trivia and didn't find much, but what I did find uh, mostly had to do with the writing. Um, so before I before I get into any of that, I want to ask. Um, although so much of this dips into character, so it's hard to say. But I think this this is going to get into plot and genre as well. Well. It's hard with this one because everything ties together <laughs> so much. Yeah. Because everything is just where it yeah. fails, it fails there. And when it's yeah. is um, adequate, it's adequate together. There's one more thing for the, the plot structure that kind of stood out as uh, for me. And it reminded me of a quote from Futurama. It's when Selvig gets the map of the UK and he starts like circling the oh, God. monuments yeah. and he draws lines, which how it do you know which sense. ones to connect? Yeah. But anyway. Like, um, like we just have to follow the directions. Oh. Where 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 are you getting this? Okay. Crazy anyway. old man. <laughs> but there's a there's an episode of Futurama where they do a similar thing where they put marks on a map and uh Fry says the locations form a perfect shape of some kind. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened here. It's just like randomly connect these and they just so happen to cross over the same point. Yeah. Which I'm not even sure why they were in the UK to begin with. Why was she yeah. in London? I think they made some comment, like I think Selvig found like readings of some sort. So she flew all the way over oh, there. Okay. But then they also mentioned like like Darcy shows up and she's like, oh I was at your mom's apartment. I'm like, does her mom live? in the UK where is everybody and why do they just fly around the world like it's nothing you know full disclosure the first time I watched this movie just a few months ago I legit had no idea they were in London 
the entire film. <laughs> yeah. So on this one, I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> oh, I get it. That explains yeah. a few things, but not much. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why did it take place in London? It, there's nothing specific, I, I guess, other than having a Selvig run around naked in Stonehenge. I mean, I think that's part of it. I think they just had a much bigger budget. And so they're like, let's travel the world. Like they they literally went to the UK and like, like they filmed at Stonehenge, which apparently is really hard and was a pain in the ass. And they had to like yeah. get crazy specific permits. They could only do specific times, like when tourists weren't around. So it was like, I'm like, for that scene, you did all of that for that? That could have been anywhere. Why did that have to be at Stonehenge? And not to, I don't know ruin that effect but also <laughs> this movie was about anything in this movie it's acting world he's like no no i'm gonna one-up you in a way you'll never be able to be with me. <laughs> oh boy um okay i do have a couple things um man i have quite a few things still within this category i'll try to say it really quick because i don't want to dwell too much on this um but one of the things that that bothered me is the way exposition was handled in this movie <laughs> which was, time yeah it was constant it was just and, and a lot of it was the same. like how many times did we have to hear all nine realms are gonna line up perfectly this only happens once in a great while okay that's all we needed overhearing oh, it again okay or hearing it again again like it just kept yeah. going and like every other scene was exposition that i'm like i'm not even listening to this anymore this isn't this i don't care it, it was it was written um, so I really disliked the exposition. And then another thing that bothered me is um, the fact that we have yet another storyline where um, it's just Thor and, and Lady Sif and the Warriors 3 and, and Himbal uh, just committing treason again for the second time in two years with no consequences. Yeah. Like, like why even have a king? <laughs> like, and he gets rewarded. I mean, granted, it was like Loki pretending to be Odin or whatever, but like... Like, oh, you saved the world. When we're going to reward you. I'm like, he committed treason. There's no consequences for that for the second time in two years. This is obviously a pattern. Like, I don't know. That bothered me. Like, not only was it derivative of the first movie, but then it's like, okay, these characters can just do whatever with no consequences. What's the movie? And like, I felt that a lot, but further with Malachite. Is that how you say it? I think so. I think so. He's such a forgettable villain, it's hard to remember, but I think that's right. <laughs> but like the entire time they were building up his villainness, I was thinking there's no gravity to what he's doing. Oh, yeah. I have no gauge for how like bad this actually is, because like you're saying, there's no consequences. It's just yeah. things moving around, just independent of each other, just... He... Odin tried to, uh, oh, almost virtual because he both took a drink at the same time. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, get ready. Uh, anyway, I think they tried to say how bad it gets because um, there were a few times where uh, Jane Foster saw like the earth turning dark or the sun turning dark, and that storybook showed that he could turn matter into dark matter or something like that. If that's how yeah. I would describe it. So I guess he was going to just blot out everything. Sure. I mean, Sounds pretty bad, but it was just kind of weird. Like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Like there were, though, for sure. But most of it came through from the 
telling us, not just showing uh, us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. usually when there's a, a villainous king or a leader, you see them at least one commanding an army, not just in battle with them. You never get that satisfying moment of him standing with his troops, being like, we're going to defeat them or take them on. Which is always through like those second yeah, hand encounters with them. Which want more of this? Yeah. I think that's a pretty good definition of this movie as a whole. It looked cool. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> At least that's how I felt. Um, anyway, so I guess that's about all that I had. I mean, I, that's about um, all the main points that I had within plot and genre. Um, was there anything either of you would like to add before we give our final scores? I guess the one thing I would add is I found myself really enjoying how the movie started. I was laughing. I was like engaged with the characters up until the jailbreak scene. Mm. And I feel like after it kind of became discombobulated and started just the B story, C story, everything was just sort of jumbled together. Mm. Yeah. And I wasn't sure where else to put that besides plot and genre. That makes sense, yeah. But like, Abby, yes, we are burning this to the ground. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, I don't remember if that was the, the midpoint or the first act break, but yeah, that definitely, there was a clear point, it just seemed to shift. And it just got so dry mm-hmm. and derivative. And yeah, so one of my notes, um, more so for the for the humor, like it was barely there, and then when yeah. it was there, it really didn't hit. Um, and I think particularly from that point forward, like they tried to have some funny stuff, and it was just awkward more than anything. Yeah, yeah. which is like many other things in this movie, a real bummer considering the first had that and mm-hmm. did it so well. Absolutely. All right. Well, what was uh, what were your final scores for her writing plot and genre? I'm curious to see if mine is higher or lower because it's pretty low. Uh, my score for plot and genre was. 3.4 below expectations. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. I had exactly the same 3.4. Wow. wow. Mine was a, a 3.0 even. Uh, below expectations. It went too easy, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said, I did give it a little bit of credit for showing the other nine realms and Asgard a little more. There's a little more world building, and that's something I really like about the Thor series. Yeah, I probably could have gone a little bit higher on world building slash exposition, but the exposition I, I hated so much that I, I gave the, that subcategory a 2 out of 10. Because <laughs> um, it was it was unsatisfactory. Uh, every it's, scene had exposition. It is slash exposition. I just skipped over that part. And I skipped over world building, I think. It was just like, <laughs> exposition? Awful. Um, but yeah, overall, so and I think it's like as a movie in general, I think this would probably fall below expectations. And then especially considering the MCU in general and the first Thor specifically, oh, yeah. um, it's definitely, I probably could have even been a little bit harsher with, with that in mind. Um, cause it's such a blow after the first Thor that got almost perfect categories, I think, or almost perfect scores in a lot of these categories and, uh, not so much for me uh, with this one. Um, all right, so that's going to bring us to uh, writing characters. And this one, I think, I definitely have more to talk about. I'll try to keep it reined in a little bit. 
Um, but one thing I, I started to mention this in plot and genre directors, uh, but I wanted to ask you before I, I reveal a bit of trivia, um, what you both thought of the uh, the Loki scenes in general and the the Thor Loki scenes specifically. Sure. Um, I enjoyed the Loki scenes only because this is I can't remember exactly. I didn't look it up, but I this is happening clearly after the first Avengers film. Oh yeah, where he mm-hmm. tries to you know kind of ruin things. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. And so I love that he's shown kind of as being willing to adapt to whatever situation. Like, yeah, hey, I can be a prisoner and be kind of jolly about it, or just kind of silly about it, or still kind of give you that impression that I'm I, I still have a bit of control in the situation. You yeah. can do what you want, and then when he's alone, just kind of doing his own thing, having that I don't know Loki sensibility that we've learned to kind of love in, in, right. in the Marvel films. Yeah. So it was fun to see that grow. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I answered the question. <laughs> did I get close? That's it. I was just curious. Just talking around it? <laughs> I was just curious about about uh, general thoughts. Yeah, I think the same thing. I like Loki as a character. He's really different and unique and he really has that trickster kind of behind the scenes puppet master a little bit he really has that going for him and does it really well so it was fun to see that and it was uh it's just fun to see the two of them interact or in loki all right i agree with everything you both just said um the reason i asked here's the trivia um so the original draft of this script did not have loki loki was not a character <laughs> in in the original script how can you have a thor film without loki uh i guess they thought it wasn't needed um and to be fair i mean he was the villain in the most franchises it would be weird to bring the villain back but it's thor and loki it's a whole different situation um but the first draft no thor or no had thor (laughs) first draft no loki um then then the avengers came out and uh, Marvel Studios realized how this character was, yeah. and so they're like, "Okay, never mind. Let's go in and, and add uh, add a few scenes." So they they sprinkled them in a little bit. Then in in post production, they realized, you know, he's really not in it enough. So they like added in a bunch of scenes and spent like a ton of time doing reshoots and like added in a bunch of these scenes, and then a lot of the scenes weren't working. So they actually, this is where it gets, if it wasn't ridiculous yet, this is where it gets even more ridiculous. The scenes weren't working. So Marvel flew Joss Whedon in to where they were filming so that he could rewrite a lot of Loki's scenes. So he is like an unwritten writer on this movie. Um, and I think that's why um, a lot of the the Loki scenes are some of the best in the movie. I mean, part of it is because he's just a really good character and, mm-hmm. and he, he brings, uh, the actor himself just brings something regardless oh, yeah. of what he's given. Um, I also think he was one of the few actors that was actually trying, but we'll get into that more in the next category. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just thought that that was really interesting that there was just like all this craziness and then those are like the best scenes in the movie and it's like that it's like practically just a different movie-ness. Um, so yeah, and then you wonder why this movie didn't work. It's like because you kept <laughs> rewriting it, and then like brought someone else in who wasn't even the right. What did you think was gonna happen? Um, I don't know. I guess I don't really have anything else to add to that. I just feel like that's 
like, well, no wonder this movie doesn't quite work. Like, this kind of explains a lot, this craziness. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I figured that was worth uh, talking about. I, I had plenty else to say within this category, too, but I, I don't want to hog the conversation. Uh, so is there any any strong points or any weaknesses either of you want to delve into? That's so interesting you say that because the entire film, I was thinking, besides like Loki's delivery and his scene, it doesn't seem that they went back through and did any punch up. So it's funny that those are the scenes that they punched up. Yeah, exactly. That's where the energy was mm-hmm. because like for like Darcy's character and Skarsgård, I don't know his character. Yeah, uh, Selvig, Eric Selvig. Eric, <laughs> and like. Especially Jane Foster. Like, did no one... Like, you can notice the lack of Loki, but you can't notice how horribly you treated this lead female character. Like... Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> like, love interest. <laughs> She's fun like that. Right. And even, like, with Anthony Hopkins. Like, it was Anthony Hopkins, but also... Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was going to get that into that more acting casting because I wasn't sure how much of it was the writing and how much was the acting but I'm like they're the same actors from the first Thor yeah a different script so I think that tells you what's the uh, cause I don't know well also I mean uh, no nobody uh, wanted to be there <laughs> is it like you like Idris Alba has has come out and said like he's like he's like to his exact well I don't know his exact quote but his wording was it was quote unquote torture filming this movie because of all the um all the reshoots like they just went in and just like remade the movie pretty much in reshoots okay um and actually i i forgot to mention this earlier but um alan taylor the director uh was really unhappy when he saw the final product of the movie which is interesting because he had like full creative freedom he was told he could do whatever he wanted so he had full creative freedom during production not during post-production so the studio just took it and Uh, made their own cut did whatever they want i don't know how much um how much the reshoots play into that i'm sure he was still the director on the reshoots um so i'm sure that was still him but as far as like editing and and all that stuff i mean he's his i have i have the quote here he said um Oh, no, never mind. I don't have a quote. I just pulled the trivia. Um, but yeah, he was just, he was really unhappy and, and blamed the studio, um, which was really a common thread. I think this is also, I'll try not to go on a nerdy rant for too long, but I think with um, phase two Marvel movies, it's important to remember that there was this Marvel creative committee formed that like really dictated what happened on the movies and, like, that's one of the biggest reasons why, like, Age of Ultron is so much worse than the first Avengers is because there was just this, this well, you got to include this element and this element and this element. And, like, yeah. oh, it'd be really great if maybe you rewrote this scene a little bit. No, get this character in. And can you reference this? I know it has nothing to do with this movie, but it'll come back two movies down. And, like, it's great to have, like, I mean, it's a, it's a cinematic universe, so you need to have this cohesion but there needs to be a balance. I think by phase right. three, they, they dissolved the committee. <laughs> they got rid of this, you know, quote unquote, creative committee and and just started like hiring directors and letting them do a little bit more of their own thing. Um, but I think that's really, because um, a lot of these phase two movies are have a lot of the same issues. I think it comes back to a movie created by committee and not by 
creators. Um, so anyway, that was kind of neither here nor there as far as writing characters go, but I wanted to get that in there somewhere. Well, that's totally writing characters. I mean, if you have, if you're going to do list of all the notes are supposed to hit and the references they're supposed to make within the universe, that's yeah. absolutely going to affect the characters. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that keyword you said was balance and mm-hmm. there was no balance no and i kept thinking i'm like what's gonna come back in future films from this movie and there's one thing and it's in the post-credit scene pretty much yeah and that's the only thing i can personally remember yeah i mean that's it it's just the you have the the ether or whatever they call it that you realize at the very end is like oh, okay this is an infinity stone oh i missed that part because it's easy to miss the nothing <laughs> in this movie makes sense yeah so and nobody knew what it meant i mean people who read the comics were kind of like okay infinity stones i know what that means but as far as like what the other is and what it does and it makes no sense and so like after hearing all that about the reshoots and rewriting of scripts and all of that i'm just like how how did you how did you think any of this was good (laughs) right yeah that's like how I mean, there's a whole committee of people trying to make this movie good, and they they already the director of Wonder Woman, but like she was an award-winning director. She won an award for Monster, didn't she? Was that was that an Academy Award? That won awards. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe she didn't necessarily. I don't remember. I don't know. But regardless, the committee can still mess it up. Well, yeah. Well, I think that's essentially why she left. Is she realized that this committee was going to dictate everything, and she was kind of like. No, this isn't the movie I want to make. Right. She, so, wrote, yeah. she wrote the fine print. She did, yeah. Creative control until post-production. Yeah. She just, And I'm sure she looked, I mean, I don't know how much of the script was written to go like this route. And if they're saying like, no, 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 we're going to rein it back and go this route. And she's like, no, <laughs> nope, sorry. And it's so crazy because there was a scene where Loki's steering and... Shane is like sleeping or passed out. Who knows? Yeah, conveniently out of the plot for a bit. Yeah, and I'm like totally having flashbacks to Wonder Woman when her and the other Chris are on the boat. Yeah. And they're going to London. And I was just like, this is way too similar. Like what's, I'm like, it was just, but it wasn't well done like that. Like that, those scenes were done. Right, yeah. So it's Mm -hmm. funny that Jenkins like walked away from like, that movie to do Wonder Woman and be like, I'm gonna do this so much better. Yeah, and and I mean, I have a lot of issues with with Wonder Woman in general, but it's a decent movie and it's a fun movie, and I still go back and watch it and have fun. And this movie, like, I I cannot words cannot express how miserable I was watching. I kept looking <laughs> at the clock, be like, we're we're only twenty minutes in, we're only thirty minutes in, there's still an hour left. It what could have been with different creative people. I also, going back um, to, to to the characters a little bit, um, the, the dialogue. I have a lot of really specific things about the dialogue. In general, it was fine. And, and they did, like, create an elvish language and, like, use that, which was, like, done decently. Like, okay, anytime someone can make up a new language, I, I give them props for that. It's like, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. But then you have things like sea bass, sea bass. Like, there's a scene that's, like, a full minute of Natalie Portman saying sea bass, and I'm just like, 
Why? What was that about? Because again, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't I think, know. I think I'm it was su- I think it was supposed to be funny. Okay. Was it her like her rosebud moment? <laughs> I have no idea. Just with the gravity of it. I, <laughs> I have no idea, but that was bad. And then there was also there were big chunks of this movie where there was no dialogue. Yeah. I literally wrote one of my notes in all caps, which I never do, and with five ex- or five question marks. Why does nobody talk in this movie? There was like it had to have been close to a half hour. Like it was a decent part of the second act. Like where it was just like yeah. the attack on I think it was around that same time you were mentioning earlier of like the prison break or whatever and like, you know, when the ship comes in. There's a couple lines of that. Like I think you hear a uh, well, I guess there's the scene with with Frigga, like her Frigga, Frigga, Frigga. Frigga. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, there was that scene which had some dialogue, so maybe it just seemed like there was more. Like I wished it was like it got to a point where I was like, man, I wish I had known this was coming up so I could have timed it because there was yeah so long without dialogue. There's even like when you see I don't remember who told someone told Loki that like his mom died. There's no dialogue there, so it's like you have this big fight scene. There's no dialogue. Then you see this emotional moment of Loki finding out his mom's dead. No dialogue. Then you see the funeral. Still no dialogue. And then all of a sudden we're back on Earth and suddenly everyone's just talking like normal. Like it was, it got me anxious. Like it legit, I was like, why is nobody talking? I don't like this. And that's, that's a combination, I think, of of the writing and the editing. Um, but they, there had to have been. So even if it's just someone saying, look out, or, you right. know, someone's behind you, or good cat, like just... Just, right. just throw in a couple little things. Like you do on like uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings battle. People are making jokes and talking back to back and forth with each other. Or during uh, uh, the Avengers, there's like yeah. really, really long fight scenes, but there's still... But there's great dialogue. And, yeah. yeah, Avengers handled that amazingly. Every other Marvel movie until then. Some of the fight scenes, you know, go a little long for my taste. But nothing like this. Yeah. It was just... It was absurd. It was ridiculous, and it didn't even. But I mean, the, the final act fight scene had had enough visually going on that it didn't bother me too much. But like that attack on Asgard, I was like, "There's not even. There's not really any cool hand to hand combat. There's not, yeah. you know, there's not even like explosions or anything. Which that's not even the kind of thing that that keeps my attention. But I'm like, I need something other than a ship crashing into a building and then people running out and then a couple of weird grenades get thrown and people disappear. <laughs> like, I, I need a little more than that if, if this is going to go on for, like, 30 minutes. Or 20. I had to have been at least 20 minutes, that attack on Asgard. It was a long time. If you include the funeral, which which continued that same, like, why is nobody talking? There should be at least, like, something. It, uh, yeah. That really bothered me. I made notes about, the, about that in a few later categories. Because exactly, it was just troubling. Yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> Not to get technical, but it wasn't natural. No, it really... <laughs> it just felt like, what's happening? This yeah. Too, like, too... Um... It was almost avant-garde, but not avant-garde enough to be avant-garde. <laughs> like, it was, <laughs> like, it was trying to do something unusual, and it was just unnatural. It was a good way to put it. It was just unsettling and and 
Like I'm feeling anxious just thinking about it. Why weren't they talking? <laughs> I also thought this is a little bit more of a uh, petty thing, I guess, or or I don't I don't know if that's quite the right word, but like political why, critique. <laughs> like, why was the character of Ian there? Exactly. Like he his character had no purpose. He didn't do anything that no one else could do. Who? I was going to say, I can tell you're having trouble even remembering who that was. The intern's intern, which also makes no sense. Like, uh, yeah, it was just like, a dumb joke. But he wasn't even funny. Like, he didn't uh, yeah. <laughs> every single joke he had, Darcy could have done, and her, she, her delivery would have pulled it off better. He served no purpose other than to give Darcy a love interest, I guess. Which I'm like, why does the secondary character need a love interest? Does this movie really need more pointless romance? Thank you for saying that because I wrote that down several times. I'm like, why is he here? What is he adding? Yeah. And he wasn't adding anything. He was taking away from Darcy's character. Yeah, like exactly. You're saying, every joke that he did, she would have done better and had mm-hmm. enough time to have that delivery and that space to breathe with Jane Foster. Yeah. But it was just disjointed instead. Yeah, and he just, and even the whole joke of like, oh, he's the intern's intern, and it's like, wait, Darcy is still an intern? Internships are supposed to last like a semester. This has been two years. Like, okay, April Ludgate, why are you still there? (laughs) Like, at least they explained that in Parks and Rec. They gave her an actual job after a season. Like, why is she still an intern after two years? And then then they had to throw in like, like they couldn't have, like they could have easily just been like, oh, I remember when I was an intern. Now I have an intern. Cool. And instead, they went out of their way to constantly point out that they were both interns, and isn't that hilarious? I'm like, I think that was it. There was one person, one of the writers thought that was a really good joke. Was really proud of that. It was. And then they just had to write everything around that. But I agree, that was unnecessary. Yeah, I think aside from from ranting some more about Jane being the worst, which I could easily do. Because, um, man, it was just so disappointing. Um, but I feel like that's going to come up in other categories, particularly the next category, even. Um, so unless there's there's something either of you want to add, I think I've, I've about exhausted my notes with this distressing subcategory. <laughs> uh, for the character writing, the highest subcategory uh, for me is character likability. And my note for that is Loki. That was pretty much my train of thought as well. Yeah, I I gave it, I was going to give it like a a two or three, because similar to, we had the same problem in Iron Man 2, where I was like, we liked these characters in the first one. Why are they suddenly unlikable? And and this movie did the same exact thing, except with Loki. And and Thor was okay. He wasn't, he was was pretty neutral, at least for me. Like, I didn't dislike him, but I certainly didn't like him like I did in the first Thor um and pretty much it, I think that was true of most characters that like I hated Jane because they they just did disservice to her and pretty much all the all the earth people like Selvig just turned into a punchline that went on for too long Ian I still don't know why he was there so yeah I yeah I completely agree yeah Loki saved it but it still didn't even meet expectations for me so I guess he didn't quite he almost saved it and for how much they invested in that Going back to what you said earlier, like yeah. for him to only like almost save it. Exactly. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Oof. All right. Well, what were your uh, your final scores? I unless there's anything else you wanted to to add. I ended up with a three point nine. All right. Very close to me. I got a three point eight. 
surprise. I'm usually uh, usually one of the higher scorers. I got 3.2, which is still, uh, this surprises me a little bit. It's still slightly higher than plot and genre, which for all of my my complaining kind of surprises me. And I, I think it goes back to what we were saying of, uh, of Loki. Yep. <laughs> he, he brings it up quite a bit. Because even things like like character inner needs, he was really the only character with an inner need. So I gave that a four out of 10. I would have given it a lot lower if it wasn't for him. Um, character like ability would have been a lot lower if it wasn't for him. Dialogue, I think, would have been a lot lower. Yeah. Not necessarily if it wasn't for him, but if it wasn't for his scenes. Like those were some of the best scenes were his scenes with, with Thor. Um, right. So yeah, this category would have been easily below a three if it wasn't for Loki. But 3.2, still below expectations. Still, the, the script for this movie is just not, it's not good. Easily, those are, I, I will say this for, for anybody listening at home who's just going to think that I'm just being really mean. I, I will say those are my two lowest scores by far. Um, yeah. it, gets, it gets a little better from here. But <sighs> yeah, the script was a bit of a doozy for me to get over. All right, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be acting and casting. This category, I don't have anything like super awful to say about this category. I thought everybody did a fine job, but I think it's important to point out that for the first four, which had almost the same exact cast, like almost exactly to a T yeah. exact cast, it had almost a perfect score. It was like a nine point something for me. And it is um, much, much lower than that. Um, still, you know, the, the, this it didn't fall below expectations, but definitely didn't come close to that outstanding range either. Uh, it just goes by, I think I mentioned this already, it just, you could tell no one wanted to be there. Like, it just seems like, I mean, even, even Anthony Hopkins, it, it really yeah. seemed like he was honing it in hard. And I, I don't blame him. It, it was a it was a bad script. He wasn't given much to work with, and he wasn't working with freaking Kenneth Branagh. Like, why would they not just hire him back? That's I think that's one of the biggest yeah. mysteries of all. Because I've read quotes. He was like waiting for the call. He was on board to come back. It wasn't like he was like, oh no, that was that was a one time thing. I'm not gonna do a Marvel movie again. Like, it's not <laughs> like he was being a snob about it. They just didn't ask him to come back. Why? Why? But for Anthony Hopkins, though, like, there's a point where he does a laugh. And it's yeah. a three, it's like a three note laugh. And it's the kind of laugh you expect from a sitcom. When a character goes down an insane rabbit hole obsession. Yeah. And they get called out on it for being too obsessed or like paranoid or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And it's like, ah. It, it was literally that. Yeah. I laughed out loud at it, which it was not a funny scene. And it reminded me of like, um... Tommy Wiseau's yeah. laugh is what it reminded me of. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have to warn people, Tristan. <laughs> I don't know how you can do impressions so easily because I was gonna try and do my impression. I was like, I bet if I mention it, he'll just do it. <laughs> I was waiting. I knew you were gonna mention it, so I, I had that one locked and loaded, That's ready it, to go. I mean, it just like he was literally just like. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, it was supposed to be, at least I hope it was supposed to be like a ha ha, very funny. Something like, like that. that. But it, it wasn't even that. He just, ha, but ha, even, ha. even within the script, like that, <laughs> like even if he had delivered it differently, it was because I think it was like, it was something like. What's the difference between you and the big bad guy? Yeah, and he's like, like ha, 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 I'm going to win. And it was just like. I don't know. It just didn't work. And I do think a big part of it was the writing. 
and and so I mean it it was the delivery as well but like it's Anthony Hopkins like I don't blame Anthony Hopkins yeah. for the bad delivery I blame the writer and probably the director um it just it was and even like Natalie Portman like I anybody who knows me I am obsessed with Natalie Portman I think she was one of the most talented actors pretty sure I went through this this spiel with the first Thor I've never heard of this <laughs> It's uh I mean she was she's insanely talented and and even in this movie I'm just like this is aside from the Star Wars prequels trilogies, this yeah. is her weakest performance ever. And I thought she a lot of people really hate her in the first Thor, and I thought she was great. You got if you're curious about my thoughts on the love interest storyline in that movie, you could go back yeah. and listen to that review because I have a lot of issues. But as far as her performance and the way her character was written up until the third act, it's great. It's phenomenal. And and all of that is lost. Like, she's the whole movie is just her making, like, doe eyes or whatever. Is that a phrase? Uh, just, like, looking at, at Thor like she wants to make out with him, which I'm sure she does. He's Chris Hemsworth. But, like, like come on. That's, like, literally all of her. But, like, all of her oh, face. She hit some toys. She, which I, I have a note on that actually because this is this is neither here nor there as far as acting and casting but it was a funny anecdote that I wanted to share so it's funny you mentioned that that scene it took 30 takes for her to, for her to slap him like that because she kept doing stage hits she didn't want to actually hit him yeah. and then by the last couple takes she was just like straight up hitting him because they kept making her redo it and then when it came time to film the scene where she punches Loki that one only took five takes because she just hit it each time. <laughs> oh, that was great. For the for the slapping Chris Hemsworth, though, like it was just it came across like so comedic cartoonish because of the sound effect. Oh yeah. I was just like, that could have been really powerful, just that moment, but or like really fun. But it was just like it took me out of the scene because there was like so much emphasis on it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That, that whole scene, I'll get more into it with, with camera work, because just that whole scene should have been really epic, and it just came off as, as anticlimactic and, and just downright silly in ways that I don't think it was supposed to be. Like, it should have been this grand, I mean, this would be very cliche, I'm kind of glad they didn't do this, but it should have been, like, running across a sunset to each other kind of thing, and instead it was like, oh, there's Thor. I'm going to walk over, slap him, and then we'll be fine. And, like, it was just... An it's awkward just a scene. slightly different cliche. Yeah. I guess. I'm going to try to be calmly serious. <laughs> but if you're going to slap someone twice in a movie and you're trying to convey an emotion of, like, how dare you? And it's a woman hits slapping a man and you don't factor in Moonstruck even a little bit, <laughs> which is probably one of the most famous, like, double slaps in a row yeah like you don't take it beyond that and it falls way short yeah how dare you <laughs> i'm staying yeah. calm i'm doing my <laughs> meditative breathing but it's like really yeah yeah really the only things with this category i mean i really disliked especially because it's natalie frickin portman and she was so good in the first one and she's so good in everything she's in and just her her face acting specifically was just so obnoxious. And I, I mean, it's it, it's the script. And I'm sure she was directed to do it that way. And she was just like, she was just, 
leaning into it. Yeah, and just ogling Thor the whole time, which, like, I mean, that was present in the first movie, too, but there was at least more to her character, especially in the first two-thirds of the movie, and that really came in, like, in the in the last act. And it was comedic in the first movie. Like, they played up on, like, like oh, this is silly. I'm so flirtatious. I'm not usually, like, like that was the vibe of, like, like, oh, and then, and then the scene would go on with it, and it was fine. And it was just like, okay, that's just kind of silly, and, and it's too bad dog fell up in the sky that seems kind of appropriate and then in this one it's just I don't know a lot of it goes back to the writing too like I've been waiting and crying and you said you were gonna come back and you didn't and I'm like you knew each other for like a day and you waited for him for two years that's your whole goddamn fault like (laughs) get over it but anyway see I told you there'd be more rants coming but But yeah, I think that's really, unfortunately, um, all that I have to say. I There were a few scenes, mostly the scenes with, uh, again, this is the scene or a, a category where, where for me, uh, Tom Hiddleston saved it. Um, this yeah. would have been fives down the line if it got a few bumps here and there. For, for the scenes that he not just not just for his performance but even even Chris Hemsworth was was by far at his best in some of the scenes with Loki. Um, yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, Tom Wilson for the win, I guess. Um, but anyway, I've, I've been monopolizing the conversation a little bit. Uh, what did you guys think? Any strengths, weaknesses? I thought pretty much the same thing as you. It was just kind of a bummer. Uh, all the things you pointed out. You have uh, you have Anthony Hopkins just kind of, uh, I, I guess he said his lines. Like he's just like stating the lines like he's reading it off the paper right in front of him or mm-hmm. something. And that's how the movie begins, with him doing the voiceover. So he was literally reading them off the paper doing yeah. the voiceover work. Yeah. You were not far off at all. Yeah, I guess he just figured that's good enough for this movie. <laughs> uh, and then Natalie Portman, just kind of underwhelming. Everyone was just kind of underwhelming is the best I can think of. Especially since we just saw them well, two years ago in uh, the first Thor. And everything was really, really great. Yeah, like I said, I went back and checked because um, I gave um, I gave face acting and line deliveries both a six point five because I was like, okay, those were a little bit above expectations, but I wanted to go back and look at the first Thor because I, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't like too close to that score because it definitely falls below yeah. what we saw there. So I was like, well, maybe I'll keep it at a five if it got like a six point five or a seven in the first Thor, and then I went back and it was like, oh no, this whole category was nines and tens down the line in the first Thor and then yeah. like like my I guess I'll just say my my total my total was 5.6 which is pretty damn close to a, a perfect 5.0 which is just mediocre down the line um, and again Tom Hiddleston as Loki the, the scenes with him yeah that, that's what saved it for like not even Natalie Portman who I think is one of the best as far as face acting and physical acting I mean she just becomes these other characters and there wasn't really a character to come with this movie. There was, it was just, and I think she did the best with what she had. I don't think it's her fault, but she didn't want to be there. The script was bad. Nobody wanted to, like every actor, even, even Chris Hemsworth after this movie was like, yeah, I think I'm going to try and get out of this Thor contract thing and focus on other things. <laughs> Cause I don't want to get stuck in this character. Right. And then after Age of Ultron and especially after Ragnarok, he's definitely changed his tune and been like, yeah, no, never mind. This is fun again. But yeah, no, but I don't think a single person had fun on this movie or even enjoyed it in any capacity. My total score was a 4.4. 4. 
so many performances were one note, and that's why. It's because these are tried and true actors. Yeah, every single one of them. Like Darcy, she has her own show, or is it still running at her own show? I want to say it's either in its last season or just had its last season. But that was a long-running show. Oh, yeah. And she was so one note because that's how they wrote her. And so I feel like every character basically either leaned in or leaned out. They Mm -hmm. were like, I'm going to do exactly this one note character or I'm going to just kind of shrug along. And like you're saying about like Anthony Hopkins, Tristan Mm -hmm. just like read his lines, get out. And go back to living his happy life. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, I think I said this earlier as well. Like, Tom Hiddleston really seemed like the only actor who was, who I think that's a good way. He he didn't seem to lean into it or lean out of it. He seemed to really put it, put his all into it or whatever. <laughs> but, and I, I think that's largely just because his scenes were the most well-written. And, and redone and redone. And that too, yeah. That's awkward when they're like, we love you all the same, children. Yeah. Now, come, come with us. We're going to spend $4 million on you, and everyone will have to sit and play quietly. How about you, Tristan? Uh, my total for that category is 4.6. Oh. So, again, very close to what it has. I'm surprised yeah. I had a higher. All right, well, that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be cinematography lighting. And I actually weirdly have kind of a lot to say about this so before I just like take over the conversation and go on a rant uh, I'm going to open it up to to both of you first because I don't want to hog the conversation like I tend to do uh there were a few scenes that really stood out to me they had like these the angelic shafts of light especially in Asgard and that was really cool and the uh the dark world and the dark elves that had its own lighting scheme which was basically very little lighting so Overall, fairly high scores for me. Mostly it exceeds expectations, but nothing super specific or amazing to say. <laughs> just I'm just going to mumble about it for a while more. <laughs> but you have any, any high points, any low points? I believe Tristan still has the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm afraid what's going to happen because <laughs> I did interpret this differently. Only because, <laughs> please sit down. <laughs> I feel like you're gonna come across <laughs> just like no. Here are the rules of the grid. Please as long abide. as you, as long as you filled it out. <laughs> so when I approached this was, I was thinking about it and I wasn't sure what was lit by the lighting crew and what was done by CGI. That's so I thought, especially it, with this movie. So I thought it more was like contrast. That's fair. Absolutely. And there were scenes that were absolutely gorgeous because of the contrast or the lighting. And there were scenes that were okay. And because of that, I gave it sevens down the line. Okay. Thank you for... (laughs) That's perfectly. Because that was actually not that much different than what I did. I gave everything a a little bit different scores, but pretty much um, as, as far as like considering that the contrast with the lighting that's definitely the main thing that I thought about and I thought that um there there was definitely some really beautiful cinematography throughout and and like what you said Tristan especially on Asgard um and the the funeral scene really stands out as a scene that had had some really gorgeous lighting really great sound uh soundtrack where did that come from uh (laughs) 
contrast is the word I was looking for. I don't know where sound came in. Because um, that was the 30 minutes of the movie that only had yeah, sound. It's uh, true. No dialogue. Yeah. Um, but lighting wise, it was really beautiful. Um, but there's definitely a point in the movie, and I believe it was very shortly after the funeral scene, but it might have been shortly before. Everything kind of blurs together a little bit. But there's the scene, I believe it's the second vision that she has, but when when Jane is on Asgard and suddenly everything goes red and is like super, oh, like yeah. for a second, it's like really stylized of like, yeah. like not Absolutely. cartoony, but um, cartoon. like, like comic booky, like, yeah. like very, very much so. Um, and then it's very red. And, and pretty much from that point forward, from that point until the end of the movie, it became progressively more like a, like a, a Zack Snyder movie. It, it really started, which is okay. Which is not necessarily. I mean, a lot of people have very strong feelings about Zack Snyder, one way or the other. Um, but I will say he, for whatever people want to say about it, he he does have some very beautiful visuals. Uh, I mean, the the DC cinematic universe, uh, I have a lot of issues with, but visual style is not one of them. It's it's they're gorgeous, but also very very visually distinct from the MCU. And this movie just, especially from from that point forward, really looked more like a DC movie, which is weird because this is like this movie came out about five months after uh, Man of Steel, which is the first movie in the DCEU, and I don't think that's enough time. To, to say that it influenced it, I, especially because right. it's all special effects, that takes like a year, if not more. Um, so I think it's it's coincidental, um, although Zack Snyder has been making, I mean, 300 was almost, what was that, 2007? That's predates the MCU. Um, so certainly that style has existed. But anyway, um, so I had really mixed feelings because it didn't look bad. It just looked so out of place for the MCU. Um, and definitely, like what you were saying, Emma, definitely it was very hard to tell like how much of this was done with lighting and how much was was CG or or through the um, the colorization process. Um, so it got it got a little difficult to tell. But I I just kind of took all of that into consideration with this category. And for for overall lighting, beauty, and storytelling, all of those got within the meets expectations range between a, a 4.5 and a 6. Um, I did give Mood an 8 out of 10 because I did think that um, the lighting throughout did a really good job of setting like a, a dark, serious mood. That's, that's easily one of the, there's only one thing that got higher throughout the whole grid. But then realism, I gave a four out of ten because it was it was so stylized, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like I said, I think it works fairly well in like DC movies because that's the the vibe they've set up for their universe. But it didn't really seem to fit in a in a Marvel movie. It just felt out of place. It 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 just looked different, um, and and it didn't look very realistic. Um, and just had a very the, the only the only comparison I can think of is that it, it looked like a Zack Snyder movie, which is not meant to be an insult for Zack Snyder movies. It just felt out of place. Um, so my my total for lighting, um, all that said, came out to a five point six out of ten. Same as acting and casting. So it uh, even though it had some strengths, it had some weaknesses. It all averaged out to pretty close to a, a mediocre five. Hmm. All right. My total was 7.8. Oh, wow. That's quite high. Yeah. Okay. 
lighting is, for whatever reason, that's always the thing that I have the least to say about. That's fair. I mean, I did think it. Uh, I probably could have been a little bit more generous with some, especially overall lighting um, and maybe storytelling. I could have boosted a little bit, um, but I feel pretty good about what I gave it. Um, I just, Cause like it, it, it's one of those things that looked really good, but just didn't quite, first of all, it didn't feel like a Thor movie. So we saw the first Thor and it had a really unique color scheme and a unique way that it, a lot of it came with the, the camera angles, which we'll get into next. Yeah. Um, but it just had a, a different look and this one didn't seem to have that and it didn't seem to match the look of any other Marvel movie we've seen. Um, so it just kind of was an anomaly in that regard. So even though everything looked fine and even looked more than fine at times, um, I still don't think I can quite say it, it exceeded expectations. <laughs> so the next category is going to be cinematography, camera work. Um, and this one I don't have tons to talk about. Um, I think one of the biggest things of note is just that there were there were no Dutch angles. I don't think there was a single one in the whole movie. I noticed that as well. I mean, we did kind of talk about how it was kind of a, a bittersweet thing, I guess, or a, a double-edged sword or whatever in the first one, yeah. where like it worked really well, but was way overused. But it would have been nice to still have that. Like it's it's pretty cool that a franchise or or sub franchise, whatever we're calling it, has a distinctive camera angle. Like it's not such as the sound effect. It's not a score, right? But like a camera angle, like that's cool. I think that's a, a nice touch. Uh, and we there there was absolutely none of that. Um, so that was disappointing. Um, we did get there was one scene where uh, where Thor was being pummeled, and each time he got hit, the camera shaked. Oh. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it didn't really give it a big boost, but I thought that was kind of a nice touch. Yeah, definitely. And then the only other note I have we already kind of talked about, and that was the uh, the way the film was shot when Thor finally comes back to Earth and reunites with Jane. And it was just the most anticlimactic scene, and it was mostly the the compositions, the mise-en-scene was, was so anticlimactic, and uh, it just wasn't very exciting. Um, so that was a, a missed opportunity, I thought. That's really those those three things. That's really all I have to say about this category, considering how long we went on in that in the first store about it. Um, that's saying something. Yeah, I agree. I missed uh, the Dutch angles. It would have been nice to have those, even if they toned it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that would have been a fair compromise because it was pretty over the top. Yeah. Um, but it would have been nice to keep that. It seems. Like so many other things, it seems a shame that that didn't carry over from the, the first movie. Uh, I did rate camera movement a 9 out of 10. Wow. Uh, I'm guessing just because there's so much of it, especially towards the fight scenes at the end where it was like following uh, Mjolnir around and yeah, uh, people were getting true. hit and flying through walls. And that stood out and seemed appropriate, seemed like a good use of the camera. But other than that, everything's pretty much ex uh, exceeds expectations. The exceeds low, or meets? Uh, exceeds. Oh, okay. The, the high was the camera movement. The low was the uh, lack of Dutch angles. I wasn't here for that, for that conversation. But I listened to it on the podcast. And so I went into this movie with Dutch angles in mind, ready to just be annoyed with... <laughs> <laughs> How many there are, and there was like not a one, not yeah. a Dutch angle I, to be found. I don't think there was a single one, yeah. And so that was like, like you're saying, it was just like so weird to be like, 
but that's part of this franchise. It's part of this world that helps establish yeah. what this is. Right. At the same time, because of the camera movements, it I found it helped me like stay in that world because it helped me stay engaged what was happening with the action to the characters and the story itself. So it was that weird balance of like, it's working with the story, but also it's not engaging with this franchise. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty much split between like fives and sevens for me of like many expectations or just a little exceeding them. Okay, my score is going to be much, much lower than both of yours for this one. I think one of the biggest things for me with camera work was the the mise-en-scene that there was just, uh, you've mentioned this Tristan a lot in, in some of the other movies yeah. that we've reviewed that like superhero movies need certain types of compositions. Like it's expected. Right. And there were a few here and there with this one. And I just didn't feel like, like I felt like there were a lot of poses and like things going on with the characters themselves. But as far as like the compositions of them within the frame, um, it was just a little meh. And especially things like, I, I know I keep reiterating the same thing, but like when Thor comes back to Earth, that should have been this epic, like, oh, he's back. They're going to reunite. They've been separated for forever. This is a big moment for the franchise. And it was it was nothing. He just walked up. I was like, hey, I'm back. Yeah. And that was it. And like just, just framing it differently would have increased the impact of that significantly yeah i agree that yeah. it didn't have much of the hero poses and, and those like shots action shots that that i expect from a, a superhero movie a marvel movie but i did notice that this one had a lot of more landscape shots so many though yeah there were a lot <laughs> so many uh, uh i guess it was not too much for me oh man it was for me. i forgot about it until you mentioned it because they were beautiful and then it's like, God, another landscape? Okay. It was a little much. I think that also contributed to the to my lower mise-en-scene score. Yeah. It and was it, just so many. And it wasn't just the the alien realms, but even on Earth, like that scene where she walks up to Thor, I think that's even like pulled back pretty far. Because you could By see the, the rain end, yeah. falling everywhere. And But they didn't hold that shot for when he walked up, which is what they should have done. They just held it with a crane shot and then he like slowly walks up and it's like, is that, okay. could it be? Oh my God. Like that could have worked. Yeah. But instead it just like shows her reaction and then cuts to him just walking up. There were a lot of those moments where someone, one character was in the shot where it's like close to this door and the other character is shown across the room. And then they go back, and the characters already, the two character, characters are back together by the door. Yeah. Oh. And it was just like, oh, oh, that was a fast, a fast room cross. I noticed that a few times as well. It was in fight scenes. It was in just exposition scenes. Yeah. They were just like, no one has to see you walking. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I didn't even notice that. No. Yeah. Probably another side effect of having so many reshoots and oh, I'm sure so many different that things poor, changed in post. Whoever was in charge of continuity, <laughs> they just gave up. <laughs> well, no, most people won't notice. I don't think they gave up. I just think that must have been a really hard job for this movie. Yeah. Um. So, what were your what were your final scores for cinematography camera work? 
I had a simple 6.0. Cam? All right, I had a 6.6 for camera work. All right, I was uh, a bit lower than both of you. I came out with a a 4.6, which it still meets expectations. Um, but really the, the mise-en-scene and the, the camera angles, <laughs> the lack of Dutch angles, essentially, um, those two things uh, really knocked it down and kept it from being closer to a five or a six overall. Um, I gave both of those a four out of 10 and everything else was uh, within meets expectations. All right. So the next category is, I laugh because there's one that's uh, really low and everything else is pretty average for me. <laughs> it's a, uh, Editing and special effects. Um, what what did you guys think of this category? I think I gave it too high of scores. Now that I'm looking at my record again, and based on what notes I took down, but what you said about lighting earlier with the red special effects and mm. that kind of stuff, I attributed to special effects and all of that wrapped together. And it was just so distracting because it was so clearly CGI and bad CGI. And every time it came up, I'm like, oh no, here we go again. And so I think I gave it too high of a score overall, but I pretty much stand, I'll stand by it. Um, but like that was like my biggest issue was like, you have, you have a good budget for this. Like Marvel knows what it's getting into. Right. It mm-hmm. has all these technologies that are going to make it look amazing. And that's what it decides on for this almost like character of of the movie is this red ether character. Mm -hmm. And it just looked horrible. I don't remember one scene where, well, the one scene where it looked good was when Jane Foster first comes across it. And it's between the two like boulders. Yeah. That was the first and only time it looked decent. And the rest of it was just downhill and like too much. And it felt like a video game with how much mm-hmm. they like with the red hue. And yeah. Anyway, clearly I was very happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Tristan? Editing and special effects. Yeah, this was a tough one because the editing felt disjointed. And I guess part of it is, I, I guess I maybe didn't realize it consciously or, or I noticed it in other places, but like you said, with where one character would be by a door and the other one would be on the other side of the room and then instantly they're both by the door or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that that just seemed disjointed. I think that's the best word for it, absolutely. Which, yeah. you know, you explained exactly why it would feel that way. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get when you do that. So that's no surprise. Uh, and then the special effects was kind of weird because I thought a lot of it was really good, but then I also thought a lot of it stood out as like, mm-hmm. come on, Marvel, you can do better. Just like you said, you know what you're doing. And it's not like they're going to save money by doing less special effects or something. That doesn't make any sense. So those two kind of balanced out for me. Yeah, that all makes perfect sense. I agree with everything both of you are saying. I do think it's interesting to note that this movie is actually tied with the Incredible Hulk for the shortest Marvel movie, um, or at least as far as the MCU goes. This was a short movie. <laughs> exactly. That, that leads into my next point, that it feels so long. Yeah. Like, this is one of the only Marvel movies that I feel, like, almost consistently throughout the whole movie I felt for. There are some Marble movies where, like, okay, the fight scenes go on a little too long, or, like, Iron Man 2, I really 
did not have a good time watching that movie. So that that movie kind of felt like a little longer. Incredible Hulk even just tied with this one for the shortest. Um, you know, has moments, but just from from especially like once the first act ends, it's just like um, and I kept thinking to myself because I I had seen it twice before we saw it today. Somehow I've seen this movie three times. That's ridiculous. I'm certain I won't watch it. Well, not certain. I probably won't watch it again after this. <laughs> um, but but like, I just kept thinking, I'm like, there's a whole final fight scene with like all the portals and stuff. I know that's coming and I don't feel like we're anywhere near that in the plot. And like, there were so many things where I just kept thinking like, I know what's coming and I know how much is still coming. How is this still happening? <laughs> like it just, um, so, so what I was laughing about when I introduced the category, um, everything got pretty average scores for me between 4.5 and 5.5 except for continuity and pace which I gave a 2 out of 10 it, oh, that's fair. it was it was unsatisfactory it was really slow and there were there were con- I don't know if continuity issues yeah. necessarily is is the right phrasing but like what you were saying of like people just like like the it's the it, 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 disjointed pace of just like this doesn't feel natural. It's awkward, and um, so I guess I was lumping that in with continuity as well, just because it's like this. This it feels awkward. So to steal your words, I totally agree because I was feeling anxious so much of the movie. Anytime I was aware of like where we were in the movie compared to where I knew the movie still had to go. Yeah, <laughs> legit though, absolutely. I yeah, I was seriously. When you see the progress bar in your mind, you're like, what? No, come on. It it was upsetting. Like, like, oh boy, there's still a long ways to go. And I, and I do think a lot of that, and it's, it's so weird that this is like the shortest or tied for the shortest movie in the MCU. And it feels so well, because I I can like the whole character of Ian cut him out. I had uh, so much exposition, cut it out. So many Star, yeah. stars nudity. Like, <laughs> yeah, they I, showed his nudity at so, least twice, if not three times. I think it was three times, and then him without pants for way too long. And I'm like, <laughs> why is this? Why is this happening? No, back in like casting, I put down four star scars. <laughs> yeah, he didn't like, want to do it either. They like pressured him to do. Like, he didn't want to run around <laughs> naked, and they're like, "You've done worse in other movies." <laughs> That's literally what they told him. Because, I mean, to be fair, he was in Lars Van Trier's Nymphomaniac Part 2. If you don't know anything about it, you can kind of tell from the title. And it's it's Lars Van Trier. If you don't know anything about him, he's, uh, he's lucky you. <laughs> he's I have lucky, love... or we're lucky we're not knowing him. You're lucky for not knowing about his movie. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's one of those directors. He has visually stunning, like, yeah, visually his movies are, are gorgeous. But he should not be the writer of his own movies because oh, he's no. uh, very uh, not female friendly is is the best thing that comes to mind. He's very uh, misogynistic and very uh, upsetting and, and just, I don't, anyway, neither here nor there. But anyway, it's funny that you mentioned Selvig because <laughs> I, that is one of the few notes that I took is that he was at Stonehenge at least two times. And they, they did that like really early on in the movie. And then they, they cut to it later. And it seemed really unnecessary. Like, either do one or the other. Because in the beginning, I mm-hmm. thought that it was, like, one of those things where you show each character and then you weave them all together. Yeah. But then that didn't happen. He didn't join the rest of the crew until, like, halfway through the movie. And then they showed it again. 
Like, yeah. why, why do that? They, yeah. they, they, especially since, like you said, they took so much extra footage and, mm-hmm. and extra editing. Why did they have to have that in there? Yeah. More than once. Exactly. Yeah. So I was recently at a Father's Day family gathering and there were a bunch of kids and each one was playing with Play-Doh and they got a bag full of like six or seven new packages of Play-Dohs and Play-Doh toys. And so it was, it ties together, I promise. (laughs) Um, They carefully unpackaged each individual container of Play-Doh and kind of got it going and like took it out of the thing, took the Play-Doh out of the container and worked the Play-Doh and played with the toys with individual Play-Doh balls until <laughs> every single color was game and they just like smashed them together. <laughs> I feel like that's what this movie was doing, which is like, and very carefully, and then they just smoosh them together and like, look what we did! Yeah. That is <laughs> the perfect analogy. A big brown mess. Yep. Can I call a slash? Well, that was unnecessary. But, but like, but like, that's, that's a, a comparison. <laughs> I also thought one of the biggest things that I, I mean, this of course comes within the writing too, but I feel like it could have easily been saved in the editing. There's the whole scene where it's like, oh, okay, we're going to commit treason again. We're going to break Loki yeah. out of jail. We're going to get off this place whatever we're gonna sneak away like it was the whole like let's make a plan and it was the most cliche like reveal where it's like okay we're gonna show them devising the plan then we're gonna cut to them executing the plan then we're gonna cut back and give a little bit more information about the plan and then cut back and show them execute and it's like this was absolutely unnecessary like first of all it was super cliche like we've seen that done a million times Second of all, let's just go back to more exposition. We did not, the plan was not that complicated. All we need to know is like, we need to get off of this. We need to get off of Asgard. Loki knows how to do it. Let's get him out. That's it. Like, that's and, it. And the setup saying, he's, I know he's going to betray you. Thor's yeah. like, yeah, he'll try. Right. Which was a cool setup. Yeah. Especially since, I guess there's one detail that they didn't expose where he like cuts off Thor's hands. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, why'd you trust Loki? And then, like, oh no, 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 that was the plan all along. At yeah. least I don't think they mentioned that was the plan. No, they definitely I may have didn't. Off. <laughs> no, they definitely didn't, but. But yeah, I agree. That part was. And it just kept going. Pretty and going. And going. And I'm like, the... and it's just one of those, like, this movie so easily could have been an hour and a half, if not shorter. Like, there were so many things like that. And I'm like, oh, this was just not necessary. And at the very least, they could have just edited it differently so that it was a little less cliche. And I would have had a little bit of a less problem with it. But still, we did not need that much exposition to be like, we're going to get Loki and he's going to help us get off the planet. How is this movie both so long and have so little in it? Yeah. The first time I finished watching this film, I had to turn to my boyfriend and be like, what was that movie about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did I just watch? Like, I, what? I remember the exact same thing walking mm-hmm. out of the movie theater. Yeah, because it's just dudes punching each other. That's it. There's not even that much of that, though, in all honesty. It's yeah, ships crashing into I buildings. There's almost no hand-to-hand mm-hmm. combat, because that's usually the kind of action scenes. Like, I'm not a big fan of just action-type, right. like, gunfights, boring, chase scenes, boring, 
ships crashing into stuff, boring. But hand-to-hand combat, that could be pretty interesting to look at. Like, that could yeah. be visually appealing. This movie had almost none of that, even. It had everything you just listed as, like, yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, even looking past everything it was lacking, it was just like, but... But what happened? Yeah. I mean, the whole movie, like, the whole point of this two-hour-long movie is, hey, 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 we got this Infinity Stone. Yeah. We got it. One out of six. We got it. That's the movie in a nutshell. Which is be stone. more infuriating than anything else. It's pretty bad. It wasn't teasing anything, was it? It was just like... I mean, I think comic book fans knew Infinity War was coming pretty early, but yeah. like... Usually, most... those after credit scenes... Correct me if I'm wrong. Those usually are for like, teasing the next one or something coming. Yeah. Yeah. Not just like... Yeah, you get it? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you get it? You get it? You get it? You get it? I think uh, especially it. especially at this time period, because, like, Avengers, the end credit scene for Avengers was Thanos. Be like, all right, I'll yeah. do it myself. And most people, like, it was really 50-50. The people who knew the comics were like, holy fuck, Thanos. And then everyone else was like, who? Am I supposed to care? And I feel like that's what this end, like, this was a mild yeah. version of that, where it's like, you know, okay, we've got two Infinity Stones now. And then the Collector's like, oh, one down, five to go. It's like, okay, now we have two Infinity Stones. We know this guy has one and wants them all. And it's like, now with Infinity War, it's like, okay. But now that we have Infinity War, it's like, we don't really care how they got this one. Like, <laughs> it's kind of irrelevant. It's not like Thanos got it at the end of this movie. Like, it's, I don't know. And it's just, like, I was reading a lot of reviews and even people who knew about the Infinity Stones and Thanos and Infinity War, like, this early, watch this movie and we're like, what? Like, okay, I guess this is an Infinity Stone, but that still doesn't explain the whole move. Like, it's just... Anyway, we've <laughs> gone a little bit off topic. I'm just happy I'm not alone. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is one more note that I have with the editing. There was one scene, and this is definitely... Um, Definitely probably more a product of the director than the editor, um, but I put it under editing because I felt like it was the best place to put it, more so than writing. There's one moment that really, really bothers me in this movie, and that's when Thor brings Jane to Asgard, right? And then it's like this whole hubbub of like, oh, there's an earthling here or whatever. <laughs> and then there's like this really awkward moment where Sif walks by and then it's like slow motion and she like gives Jane the stink eye like yeah. like oh I'm gonna kill my rival now or something and it's like this whole like oh she's jealous of Thor's love interest and I'm like the first Thor had like almost none of that and I actually uh was uh, very involved in a reddit discussion not too long ago <laughs> I wish I had had written down some of the names of the people that I was talking to because it was a pretty involved discussion um, but one of the people uh, that I was talking to gave a really convincing argument that Sif is actually in love with Loki and not Thor. And after reading it, I was like, some of it was a little like shipper, like you know, sure. p- pushing a shipping agenda a little too far. <laughs> Those shipping agendas. <laughs> but especially after watching this one again, it was kind of like, okay, I definitely see see where that person was coming from like I I see it I get it um so then to throw that in of like 
her being jealous of Jane or whatever. And especially because it doesn't even come back in the movie. Like, she helps Thor protect Jane and, like, kicks ass to do so. So that whole moment, like, it was awkward to begin with. And then it was, like, slow down and slow motion and, like, a lot of cross-cutting of the looks between them. Like, we're going to really emphasize that this is awkward and weird and tense. It's like, why? What is happening right now? Yeah, I noticed that the first time I watched it. And I was so off put by it. This viewing, I was taking notes apparently when that scene happened. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I totally missed it this viewing. Yeah. And probably for the best because I had nothing to it. It was just awkward and unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Just like, we're going to stir up some sexual tension. Yeah. Exactly. That's all it was. Like, love triangle, stir the pot. I'm mm. like, this is fabricated from absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But. I kind of give that a pass just because that's true of like 90% of love shenanigans in movies, I'd say. But there weren't even any love shenanigans. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not Oh, yeah, like, it was completely unnecessary. It's not but like... It's no, it wasn't be... even unnecessary, though. It's not like she's in love with Thor and was jealous of Jane. Like, that's what they were trying to convey. And that is not present in the rest of the movie. So it made no... Like, right. it, it wasn't even that it was like, oh, I guess we're doing a love triangle plot now. Well, they, they did. They just kind of half-assed it. Or maybe that, was like, it best. maybe that was like the version one of the script and they went with version four and then they I mean, messed it up in post-production. Something. It's like, yeah. I have walked past exes and given them less time of day than that moment. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. just, like, you don't, like, no matter what you're feeling toward that person, like, it's just unnecessary. Like, what are you, like, what is that? What is... Yeah, just just what? Like, what, what, what? The only place that scene kind of makes sense is in, like, a high school movie, because (laughs) that is usually such a driving force in high school movies. Yeah. Which is stupid (laughs) 17-year-olds. But, like, in a movie like Thor, where it's the end of the world, like, really? Is she she that bothered? No, she's not bothered. Yeah. Because at no point during the film after that is she like, maybe I should just kill Jane and just say the one of the guards did it. Yeah. <laughs> like she rescues Jane and there's no moment where I'm just like, ah, oh, I guess come with me. Yeah, fabricated. I think that's the word you used. Just added for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Out, of, out of thin air. Right. It's like they, they couldn't do the obligatory love interest because it already carried over from the last one. It's like, what obligatory thing can we add now? But then they already had... And unnecessary. Like, there was just so much unnecessary romance in this movie. Like there's yeah. Darcy and Ian. There's Sif being jealous, I guess, of Jane for no reason. Thor's and Jane's relationship still makes no sense and makes way less sense in this movie than it did in the first movie. Like nothing. Yeah. None of the romance. Like this. This movie is unnecessary superhero romance on steroids. <laughs> like that's just most of the movie. All right. Was there anything else? Uh, either of you would like to add for editing special effects. I forgot that the casual <laughs> we're talking about. Man, um, I feel like I should knock it down even further because of that whole 10 minute rant we just went on. <laughs> anyway, editing and special effects, I gave it a 4.6 overall, which technically meets expectations. But barely. Yeah. I gave it for editing, I gave it a 4.2. Which uh, meets expectations, but even less than yours. Yeah. Um, I don't know how. I, I, I just, 
think I glazed past this one because I was so focused on sound. Um, I gave it a 6.2. Okay. I don't have any validating explanation. <laughs> it's not too late to change it if you yeah. think that's too high. I might have to go back through the official grid. And... <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the sound category. Um, this one I really only have one thing to talk about, and that is the score. And uh, it may end up being a little bit of a doozy, so I'm going <laughs> to open the gates up and, and let you two take the lead on this one, because I have some strong feelings. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, I don't have very strong feelings on this one. Everything either met expectations or exceeded expectations. A large part of that was just because Thor has good music. Like, like the sound, the, the main theme is recognizable. Uh, and that's pretty unusual. Yeah. Um, and so I pumped that one up a bit. And I didn't take any notes. So I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, what did you think about the sound for this movie? So for that one, it was pretty easy. I gave it force all across the board. Okay. Um, it was so disappointing. I say that even though I gave it only a four, <laughs> which is below expectations. I thought a two or a three were too low because it was still in the realm of like action film. Yeah. But it wasn't a Marvel film. It was everything but a Marvel film. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And so like the sound effects, that I probably should have given maybe a two. <laughs> yeah because it just wasn't like marvel is known for its hand combat or its sword fighting or its other superpowers being taken into con into consideration less gunfighting especially yeah. like yeah. the laser guns or whatever have you that the dark elves were using yeah, yeah. and the music again it was like it was sort of when it was going it was marvel ish but it wasn't totally there all the way through. And so everything just felt kind of off a little bit. Yeah, I agree about uh, having the laser guns because that's just boring to me. And that doesn't feel like the Marvel movies, except for the Captain America movies. Those have a lot of either energy weapons or assault rifles, you know, standard military stuff. But yeah, outside of that, those movies, I don't want to see guns because that's not very interesting. And doesn't sound as cool. Yeah, and the in yeah. the Captain America movie, it at least made sense for the plot because that's what they were trying to combat were those the right. hydro weapons. Right. Right. So at least was in the realm within they were within 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 which they were filming. Right. I often found with the music that it was telling me what emotions I should be feeling. Like during the okay. during the sequence without dialogue, the music was telling me this is a somber moment. This is a funeral. This should be a moment for remorse, and like you should feel really broken about this. But I wasn't because there wasn't the story there propelling me with it. Yeah, I was just like, okay, this is what I should be feeling, but the writing's not there. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. action moments, there were like the moments of like the music rising to being. To, to signal that Thor and Loki were going to strike again and be victorious. And I wasn't there with it because I'm like, 
I, the writing isn't telling me that this is what is signaling right. or what I should be expecting is just lackluster. It was Absolutely. the sound design you'd expect from an action film, not from a Marvel movie. If this was just a regular action movie, it would probably be sevens across the board. But for Marvel, you expect so much more. And especially this late in the game, it's just fours because yikes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's not that's not too much different than what I did, honestly. Um, I gave overall sound design, overall sound mix, and sound effects. I gave all those just a five, pretty much for all the same reasons you were saying. I was like, it didn't sound bad or anything. It just didn't exceed expectations in any way whatsoever. It was pretty bland, especially for a Marvel movie. Um, and the storytelling, I gave a four point five for for pretty much the same reason. I didn't feel like it quite dips below expectations but was definitely on the lower end of the meets expectations just because it it really didn't do anything special um but then score and soundtrack that's where i i definitely gave the the biggest hit i only gave that a 3.5 out of 10 um i did not think it was a very good soundtrack it did work really well when it borrowed directly from the soundtrack from the first Thor. Yep. That music still is good, but it was just, bar- like, it just borrowed that theme, planted it in. To be fair, though, if you're going to borrow from any film, borrow from the first Thor movie. True. It's, I mean, it's a good theme, but, but all the rest of the, all the rest of the, the score was just not very good. Um, and there were times, especially the first time I really noticed it was during the funeral scene. And then there were a few times as the movie progressed where I, I, it hit me again that the particularly whatever the soundtrack or, or the score, I should say, was trying to elicit emotion, particularly like, like oh, this is a, a somber moment or, oh, this is a, you know, these characters are expressing love for each other. Like when it was the, the Thor Jane scenes, the music just got so... So um, Disney is really the only way. I, I mean, I know technically it is Disney, but when right. I say Disney, what I'm meaning is like '90s Disney cartoons. Right. Like it right. reminded. I, I specific. It took me a long time to to really pin it down, but towards the end of the movie, I was like, the score from Beauty and the Beast. That is what this score reminds me of. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Not not all throughout, but when it was trying to elicit emotions, it sounded like like. It sounded like the score from Beauty and the Beast. Interesting. I that went right by me. I did not like it, um, and I do think it's interesting to note. Um, I honestly, I, I don't remember who actually scored this movie. I should probably look it up, but since I just like trashed his work, I guess I won't. But, uh, but originally, Carter Burwell was supposed to score this movie, and he ended up he did. Um, Iron Man 3, which was kind of mediocre, if I recall. I, I honestly don't remember much one way or the other, which which makes me believe it was probably mediocre. We just watched that movie, and I don't remember it too well. Um, I feel like it was the best of the Iron Mans, but still not very good. But anyway, um, so I, so he ended up doing that, but he he was another one of the people that, that dropped out due to creative differences. Um, but I feel like the score could have been really amazing, because he's... Um, he, I, I recognized the name when I was looking through trivia specifically because he composed Fargo, which I, I just reviewed that, uh, or it just as we're recording this, I, I just posted my review of Fargo and talked very highly of the score in that movie because it is amazing. 
um, and Carter Burwell, he's done a lot of stuff with the Coen brothers and um, some stuff with, with Charlie Kaufman, it looks like. Like, he's done oh, a, wow. a lot of really good scores um, and a lot of more more mainstream stuff. He did the, the Twilight movies as well. So there's a little bit of a mix in there. Um, but I just I just can't help but thinking if he had had had, um, had his hands in a Thor soundtrack, it could have been um, really amazing. And especially when it comes to those emotional things, because, you know, the, the Coen Brothers scores are part of what makes those movies um, so, so I don't know if relatable is quite the right word, but, um, emotional, I guess, or, or resonates emotionally, yeah. um, because of the, the music is so good. So I think that those, um, those scenes with the, the, emo- like the funeral scene, I just, man, that, that score was bad during that no, scene. It didn't feel like a funeral at all. Mm-mm. It was like, are we sitting down for Fantasmic at Disneyland? Yeah. <laughs> In front of this water. Yeah, and it wasn't, like, it didn't feel epic, and it didn't feel sad. It just kind of felt bland. Um, and, yeah. So so I really, it's it's really a shame between Patty Jenkins and Carter Burwell. If they had, I know it's, I know it does nobody any good to think about what could have been, but, man, what could have been? <laughs> like, if those two had had, or even just one of those two, I think this movie could have been infinitely better. Um, but that's not what happened. But so anyway, just looking at any other Marvel film, you don't often have that feeling of like, what if this person did that? That guttural feeling right. of how dare they butcher this movie like this? Yeah. It's so rare that that happened. And so I think that is a fair point to bring up of like, what if this director, what if this composer were involved with this film? Yeah. That's a great point to bring up because like, you don't usually with the other, right. what, yeah. 85 Marvel films? <laughs> There's, there's 19 others at this point, and there's only one other, which we haven't gotten to yet, so I won't talk about, but there's one other one that that has a, a what-if scenario that, that, but I don't dislike that movie the way I dislike this movie. It's just huh. interesting. Anyway, um, so what were your, um, unless there's anything that, that needs to be added, what were your total scores for sound? A 4.0. What was your score, Rachel? Mine was a, a 4.6. Okay. Mine came out to 6.2. Okay. You gave the, did you give the score and soundtrack a pretty good score because of the original Thor theme? Yes. That is a good deal of it. Which is fair. I mean, that's a great song and it's in the score. Um, and I probably could have given it at least a 5 because of that. But Also, I didn't, I didn't really notice that... Uh, sorry to cut you off. I didn't oh, no, notice sorry. that you both pointed out how the music wasn't matching like what the story was telling you. But next time I watch this movie, yeah, right. Uh, I'll keep an ear out for that, I guess. All right. So that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be aesthetics. Finally, a good category. I'm a little hit and miss with this category. Um, I don't like even just the first, the first subcategory is hair, which I only gave a 4.5, which seems really wow. harsh i might actually bump this category up a little bit i know i know what i was thinking the hair was it the blonde wig which blonde wig one of thor's pals. no he, he oh his pals i didn't notice that. i thought you were gonna say one of thor's wigs i was like he actually that's why i think this category should be higher he actually finally grew his hair out and actually had his real hair so he didn't look slightly one weird. of the warriors three Sh- sure 
I don't does know. Robert I never Robin Hood? Sure, yeah. he does look like Robin Hood. Absolutely. Yeah. They recast him. That's not the same actor as the first movie. For reals? For reals. I didn't either. It has been, it's, it's been years since I been, saw Thor. It's been weeks. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he wasn't in it much. That wasn't the same dude? It was not. And I noticed it, and then I had to look it up to double huh. check. Very surprising. He did look, um, he didn't look familiar. So I wonder if that's just what it was. Because I recognized the others. I was just like, who are you again? I'm yeah. sure you're supposed to be here, but... <laughs> it's just a guy who walked on set. Can I see your wristband? <laughs> uh, someone had a blonde wig. It was him, yeah, that. The okay. Robin Hood. Just what was ever, whatever was happening on the top of his head, it looked horrible. And I was just like, mm. ooh, yeah, it's everyone else I was okay with. I was okay, okay with Riga. Yeah. I, I kind of liked her wigs. They were hairstyles <laughs> that she wore. But whatever. You do you. That were Those were the only two things I had an issue with. Everyone mm. else, I was kind of like, cool, whatever. I believe it. I buy it. I wasn't blown away, but I also wasn't like, wear something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I gave it. I mean, I know why I docked a little bit of point. I think in my head I was thinking it would be a five, and then I knocked a half point off. Um, for something kind of silly, but a five seems a seems a low starting point because there were, like you were saying, there there were a lot of good hairs. I mean, Thor's hair was was glorious and much more glorious than in the first movie, yeah. um, largely because it was real. He actually grew his hair out, um, and they didn't dye his eyebrows, which thank goodness. It um, never turns out well. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough thing to do. Um, so, so that was like, his hair was great. Loki's hair was, yeah, was Loki. great. And I, I especially liked the contrast of like when he was all ready to go versus when he was like at his lowest and he just looked greasy and gross. She always kind of looks a little greasy and gross, but he pulls yeah. it off somehow. It's his character. Like exactly. he's a weasel. Like, and so you're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like both of you mentioned, like he's just kind of that trickster weaselly kind of like. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to actually, I gave this way too low of a score. I'm going to go to 6.5 instead of 4.5. Um, the one thing I did knock it down for, and this is admittedly silly, but uh, in the first Thor, Sif wore her hair in a ponytail, like the whole movie. And I was like, yeah, like a kick-ass girl who actually wears her hair in a practical hairstyle for combat. Not in this movie. Just worn down. She's got the glamour look. That's stupid. What kind of a warrior? Come on, at least do a half ponytail. Well, at least keep it out of your eyes. She does it. Thor does it. The, he has uh, his hair back in a half ponytail, though. Uh, yeah, or half braid, at least. Does. But at least keeps it out of your eyes. Yeah. You don't want hair in your eyes when you're fighting. That's ridiculous. Thor has the same issue, but I feel like his hair is kind of greasy and slicked back, so he can kind of... It probably stays out of his eyes, mostly. But the... She didn't have the ponytail anymore. I really... That got decent amount of extra points in the first Thor... And I lost, I would have given it a seven um, once I remembered some of the positives within this category, uh, which this category overall, there's going to be, I think every single subcategory. I don't know what I was thinking. It was a little off for every <laughs> single one. The um, makeup I had no issues with. The makeup, the only issue. It wasn't fabulous. It was just cool. It was like, okay, yeah. sure. Thumbs up. I, I think the, gotcha. I think the only issue, and this is again, kind of along the same lines as, as, as Sif's lack of a ponytail. This is a little 
Um, a little nitpicky and a little silly, but and this is again strictly a comparison between the first Thor and and Dark World. In the first Thor, Jane had like a really natural look. Like, she was definitely wearing makeup. It's not like she wasn't, but it was very natural, very minimal. And I felt like it was kind of caked on in this movie, especially like the eye makeup. Like you could just tell that she was wearing makeup. I'm like, I don't feel like she's that kind of girl. She seems like a pretty low key or low low maintenance. I don't know the way to like, she doesn't seem like the kind of girl that would wear that much makeup based on what we know about her and what we've seen in the first Thor. And then they just glammed her up to look as gorgeous as possible. I'm like, she's kind of poor me. She doesn't need that much extra help. Like just let her be. So that kind of bothered me a little. Uh, what did you two think about the? I don't mean to go through every single subcategory, but I do it. I have some strong feelings on the costumes. <gasps> oh what my were, god! What were your feelings? Um, she's like, I'm not going to get another <laughs> chance. I better get it in now. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, hair and makeup. I gave both of those nines. I think this is just a stunningly beautiful movie. Uh, I think it actually looks better than the first door in most. Ways in, in most scenes. As far as aesthetics go, I would agree with that. Yeah. Costumes, I give it a perfect 10. I thought they really improved the. Uh, <laughs> I, I know I'm looking at this like, one. Like, I know everything looks really response. good. I'll give you yeah. that. Everything looked great. Um, I think they improved the Asgardian costumes. You mentioned in the, For the sure. previous one how they had like sort of like a plasticky, uh, very clean. Uh, look to them. I think that they looked a little more worn and a little more lived in. I think they also looked a little more intricate. And the the dark elves, their costumes were kind of weird because to me they looked like someone like did way too much mushrooms and watched Teletubbies. <laughs> costumes looked a little weird, a little. But I guess they're supposed to. I didn't love the design in general. It just seemed like I don't know aesthetics wise. It did. I I get the comparison between like Lord of the Rings. Like they just looked yeah. like they looked at the, those elves and took their glasses off, squinted, and kind of <laughs> drew what they saw. Yeah. yeah. Because like between Malachite and they call him Legs a lot, but that's not his name. Legolas. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you like look at those two characters side by side, they're which character? Legs a lot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I stand by it. Look at them side by side. Yes. They are way too similar. So my biggest issue with costumes, I do agree that the Asgardians looks fantastic and the elves looks pretty generic. So I'm kind of in the middle with that. But my biggest, I don't know when I became this person that rants about these kind of things, but Jane's clothes I had a real big issue with for most of the movie. First of all, before she gets to Asgard, all of her clothes were so different than what we see her in in the first movie. Like she had a very specific look that was very, kind of like her makeup, like I was saying, like she had a very like earthy, casual, a lot of flannel jeans, t-shirts. Field researcher. Exactly. And then in this movie, she was like all dolled up the whole movie. And then she gets, so like that in and of itself was like, okay, this doesn't really feel like Jane Foster. Like they've just completely made a different character now. I guess this is London Jane Foster, but whatever. Um, trying to get back into the dating scene. I guess. Would you uh, call it that? Seabass. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope in the very last Marvel film, 
that somehow comes back into play <laughs> and is a passcode for some length and saves the universe. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, but anyway, so her clothes already weren't very true to her character. And then she gets to Asgard, and for some reason, they just yeah. give her Asgardian clothes. I'm like, she was not there for that long. She could have just stayed in her same clothes. Why did she get a necklace? They gave yeah. her this like fancy necklace with robes. And I'm yeah. like, wait, hold on. Yeah, it wasn't just an outfit, it was jewelry. And I swear, this could just be because she like had robes and then maybe she took the robes off. I don't know. But like I swear she had two or three different Asgardian outfits. For sure. I'm like, how long was she there? It was like a day. There was no reason for her to not just wear her normal civilian clothes. And then finally, when she goes back to Earth, like after Asgard, she changes into clothes. And then for the rest of the movie, I felt like she was pretty close to, to the Jane we saw in the first movie. But for the first two thirds of the movie, I'm like, what is she wearing? Why is this happening? What is going on? I did notice that uh, she changed into Asgardian clothes. That for didn't no really reason. bother me, though. Ugh, bothered me. There was no reason for it. It almost looked more like a greek the norse yeah like like seeing athena yeah when she was wearing those robes and talking to thor by the lake river body Mm -hmm. of water yeah i don't know what it was but i know what you're talking about when they're standing there talking i had hardcore flashbacks to the star wars movie that she was in oh yeah where it's her and then What's his name? They're like standing there by a river or like a body of water and they're in robes and talking and like there's a lot of sexual tension and that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, this is literally that scene reshot <laughs> yeah. 10 years later. It's too late. We've moved on. <laughs> yeah. It's just awkward. I'm like, this is way too like there's royalty involved and yeah. there's robes and like the scenery just felt way too much like the Star Wars movies that she was in or those scenes when they're at the palace and I'm like ooh I, yikes can we ooh yeah mm. like it would have been too much better if she kept her clothes on because it was like she gets to be herself <laughs> right thank yeah. you Kat <laughs> yeah those whole like everything about those scenes were just way too awkward like I've never been over here and someone's like, welcome to our home. And neither of you have said, here, have these clothes to try <laughs> right. on. And, and accessories. But yeah, so that was one of the one of the biggest issues that I had. Um, I also disliked the, the Dark Elf army. They all had like those masks and they just kind of looked yeah. like Jason or something. It just didn't look very good. Or, or, or it, it seemed like uh, almost like low budget. Yeah. Like those those CPR dummies that have <laughs> the face it like that's what they look like and I'm just like okay I guess this is supposed to be creepy. Um, I did think the the strongest probably the strongest thing in the whole movie by far was the location work. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean they went all over the world to to film this movie. Maybe they should have used their budget <laughs> elsewhere. But regardless, uh, like they went to Iceland to film a lot of things. They what? Went, yeah. What did they film in Iceland? Uh, I want to say the the dark elf planet or whatever. What? Um, I want to say that was all Iceland. Oh, yeah. And maybe a few other places, too. Which they really, by making it so dark, they really kind of lost a lot of the beauty of Iceland. But regardless, yeah. they they went to Iceland to film. They, they went to Stonehenge to film. They went to Greenwich to film. Like, they... 
they went all over the world and, and it looks great underutilized perhaps at times but I did think some of the the location work specifically more so than the sets um, but even the sets like especially Asgard I thought uh, was was much improved from oh, the yeah. first Thor um, which is probably one of the only things if not the only thing that improved since the first Thor yeah I agree uh, I really like the locations I thought they were all very beautiful the earth ones looked good and Asgard and, looked really, really good. They really bumped it up. Yeah, They agreed. put in a lot more work. Uh, There's texture on all of the walls. All of the walls had stonework, or it was like like metalwork infused into the wall. And uh, there's always like interesting lights and shadows, although that's a different category. But um, yeah, everything in Asgard just looked really amazing. I did appreciate that. I don't know how to describe it. The, the cells... The, oh, the, the, the barriers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that little detail work in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't super dynamic, but it wasn't static. And it changed just a little bit enough yeah. where you'd be like, okay, this is something where it's technologies. Yeah. It's not just like a glass piece of glass. Right. There was that. And then also the black and gold suit or warden. Odin was wearing when he's being like, Thor, you don't have to like butter me up. Like, yeah, just tell to be straight. Like, I love that suit of his because it was just so, I don't know. We we hadn't really seen him in that kind of attire before. And it was a nice change. It was like, okay, so it's not just the one suit for you. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate that. So it was, there were a lot of beautiful moments, but also just moments where it was like, come on, just step it up a little bit. When Frigga gets picked up and we see her shoes, what are those shoes? <laughs> like, she's a queen and she's wearing those, like, peasant shoes, like, with a strap. Like, <laughs> like that's what baristas wear at Starbucks. That's not what a queen wears. Like, we need yeah. to get you on a makeover show ASAP. <laughs> Did either of you notice that the uh, Dark Elf ships were made out of, like, a different material? It was almost like ash. Like logs that have been left in a fire overnight or something. Explains why he was able to like cut into them when yeah. Elba like stuck his knife in to like sabotage one of the ships. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that. I'm like, wow, that's a sharp knife to cut into metal, but if it's Yeah. At least that's what it looked like to me. Hmm. I don't think they're actually made of burnt wood from campfire <laughs> leftovers. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that they are. <laughs> That was just kind of neat because their whole world was like very ash and rubble. I'm kind of now curious, like, what were those ships made of? <laughs> yeah. Because his knife, like, went into the ship. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was weird, too. I don't know. Uh, so what were your uh, what were your totals for aesthetics? And if there's anything you want to add. Mine was probably the highest out of the three of us. It was definitely the highest out of all the categories I have. It came out to 9.4 outstanding. Wow. I really like this. I can I like tell. Despite all of my diatribes <laughs> and laments, I gave it a 6.0. I did enjoy yeah. it. I, I, I swear I did. There <laughs> were just a few things that I just could not get over. Yeah, fair enough. I gave it, I had originally given it a, a 6.1, and then I realized I was being a little bit too harsh, so I went in. Uh-oh. And, and made some adjustments, and it came out to a, a 7.0, which I feel pretty good about, um, which is the only category in this entire movie for me that exceeded expectations. 
Um, and I do think the, the biggest thing for me that made me go in and change some stuff is that I do think um, the aesthetics, at least for the most part, uh, were greatly improved from the first Thor. The only thing that I really miss is the uh, New Mexico desert, which is just not where this movie took place. It's not really its fault. Right. Um, but I did really love those um, those settings, or that setting, I guess, within the first movie. Um, so that was a little bit of a bummer for me. But other than that, I really think that um, it, it actually improved between the first Thor and this Thor. I didn't actually go back and look. I might have given it higher than a 7.0, but I don't think I did. Uh, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be impact on film. And um, this one is divided up into three separate subcategories. We've got the critical impact, the audience cult impact, and the historical and inspirational impact. Um, and this one I did a little bit differently than usual. Um, for critical impact, I usually just go to... Metacritic and uh, divide it by 10 and, and just kind of go with it. Sometimes I'll round up a little or round down a little. What did that come up to without rounding? Without rounding, it would have been a 5.6. Um, wow. I know. That's what I thought. Um, it seemed a bit high. Um, so I rounded significantly down to, to just an even 5 instead of a 5.5, largely because critics in general just, this is the least popular Marvel movie. Uh, no matter which yeah. list you look at, if, especially if it's critics, audience, it can get um, a little iffy. It's still easily bottom three almost every single time. Um, but critics, definitely, it's down there. Um, so I definitely didn't feel too bad rounding down for that one. Um, and then audience and cult impact, I did pretty much the same thing. I looked at a few different aggregate sites and kind of came up with my own aggregate, which um, gave me a 7.725 average. Wow. Um, I know. I thought that was extremely high. Uh, so I rounded. I, I don't even know if this is really rounding down because it's so far. But I gave it a 6.5 out of 10, which actually I probably should have done a 7. But I mean, this movie is just really hated. Like you can bring it up to, to almost any Marvel fan, yeah. whether they liked the first Thor, whether they hated the first Thor, whether... Yeah, like no, no matter who you talk to, pretty much every Marvel fan hates this movie. Um, so even though that that average seemed, I mean, the average is just really high. I don't know how it got that high, um, but I I went ahead and, and knocked it down to a six point five just because it is so unliked. Um, and then historical and inspirational impact. Um, I was gonna give it a zero because even though <laughs> usually. Movies within the MCU, I automatically give it like one point. But this right. is such a such a weird example that um, I like I said I was going to give it zero, and I ended up giving it a half point um, because I do think this movie was influential in uh, dissolving the Marvel Creative <laughs> Committee. You think it's a point for its destructive power? I mean, the Marvel right. Creative Committee was not a good thing. I, I think Avengers: Age of Ultron had much more to do with with that decision than this movie which we'll get to when we get to it. But, but this was part of the process. Absolutely. I mean, pretty much all of phase two was just them realizing this was a bad idea. And I think because uh, Iron Man 3, a lot of people actually really like it. So I think this was the first phase two movie where people were like, oh, this is bad. Um, and then it was really hit and miss. Or pretty much all of phase two was just really hit and miss um, with this and, and Age of Ultron probably being the big, two biggest hits. That, that contributed to the, the dissolve of the Marvel Creative Committee. And by hits, 
You don't mean like blockbuster heads. Oh no, I mean like <laughs> like destructive Straight heads. On the right <laughs> so anyway, so those three for me averaged out to a four point for impact on film. Okay. I usually just copy what you do. Ow. Um for this category because it's all other people's opinion, pretty much. Um so for critical impact, I also gave it a five. Um audience cult impact. I give it a three just because that's solidly below expectations. And this that's movie fair. is solidly below expectations. That's fair. Uh, and historical inspirational impact, I give it a one because so many people like threatened to quit and or actually did quit. I suppose. It may have changed the production, the way that they approached stories. Sure, I can see that. Being like, yeah. we don't want these character, these actors to walk away from these characters, so we need to like accommodate the people that are working for us. I get you're going at, yeah. Okay. What are those average out to for you? Uh, three. Okay. I also went with five for uh, critical impact for the audience. I also rounded down. Um, not as far as either of you. I went down to a seven. That's fair. That's it was like it was like a seven point seven, and I'm like. That's way too high. Yeah. Like, the people that don't like this movie are not rating it nearly as frequently as they should. But then for historical impact, I put zero. Because this movie, you take away the after credit scene, it has no relevancy to any future Marvel film. Yeah. Like, Ant-Man at least has more of an impact. Because he shows up in future films after that yeah but like that's true yikes like yeah just have all that budget all that time invested in making this product because of it being part of like this like three or four phase long uh plan and it not pay out in any way like yeah so for me it averaged out to 4.0. All right, same as me. Uh, So that's going to bring us to a a category I'm almost afraid to ask about. (laughs) It's going to be overall enjoyment. I might have been a little bit too harsh on this one. How did you guys feel about overall enjoyment? Uh, I gave it a 1 out of 10. I did not enjoy this movie. There's a few parts here and there that I really like, mostly the scenes with Loki. Yeah. And it was really cool to see uh, <laughs> the aesthetics improve. I think they're much nicer than they were in Thor 1. But I I just did not enjoy this movie. It was very slow. It was very long. Nothing really happened. Some, some fights. So I just did not enjoy this movie. I found yeah. this unsatisfactory. I would have to agree with that, um, which is why I gave it a 2 out of 10 for pretty much all the same reasons. I did not have fun watching this movie. Um, I didn't give it a 0 because uh, there were times when it was pretty to look at. Yeah. And uh, and I still love the characters, even if they weren't shining in this movie. But yeah, unsatisfactory. I, this is this is not an enjoyable movie. It's not a, a good movie. It's not a well-written movie. It's just not good. No, I was right there with you. I gave it a two for overall enjoyment because, like, for the first little bit, I was laughing. And, like I said, up until that jailbreak scene, it was a really interesting movie to look at. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was just like, oh, I see what's happening. And I just didn't care for that. The 
part of the enjoyment I got besides the intentional laughs was coming up with alternative titles. One of the alternative titles I came up with was Marvel Suicide Squad. <laughs> because again, like you're saying, like these are the same characters who committed treason the first time around. And they're like, we got away with it. We can do it again. Yeah. It's like, but like, do you not understand the word treason? <laughs> yeah, they clearly do not. <laughs> or Odin doesn't, at least. Yeah. It's... Maybe it's one of those things where the first time you commit treason, it's like a $10 fine. <laughs> and then it's only like the third or fourth or fifth time where you don't get another chance. He's collected his get out of jail free cards. Because of its witty banter and like, or quote unquote witty banter, trying to come up with like this treasonous plan and uh, Thor and Loki coming up with a plan of like deceiving Malachi. Between that and the sound, the visuals, the dark elf army could also be seen as like Ocean's Star Wars. Because <laughs> it felt way more for me like a Star Wars film than a Marvel film. I think that was intentional. But why? Every single movie in the in phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has somebody getting an arm cut off. Which was oh an gosh. intentional homage to Star Wars. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What? Yeah. I'm, can you walk me through this more? That's uh, that's all the information I have, but... Like, was there one specific person that was, like, giving this giving this order? Or I was think it just it, consensus? I'm I like, think it was... Yeah, that'd be cool. I think it was, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Kevin... I was going to say Kevin Feig, but I don't think that's right. Feig? Maybe. I feel like it's two syllables. I don't know how to make that name two syllables. But, uh, the, the, the... Is he the guy who did the Ghostbusters? No, no, no. Not that guy. The guy that's, like, the head of Marvel. I think it was his idea or whatever. And I'm sure the, the Marvel Creative Committee, I'm sure it was a committee decision. So instead of making it, like, Thor 1... They went yeah. back to let's, the 70s. Let's, yeah, let's stop. Let's stop all that. We don't need that. I guess on set, everybody referred to the, the Dark Elves as Stormtroopers. <gasps> yeah, no, I was yeah. thinking that the entire... Every time I saw them, I'm like, I saw those white masks and those pew, 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 guns. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's Star Wars and Stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought that, too. Yeah, so did every single person on set, and they still didn't think to change it. Yeah, if anything, I think they tried to embrace it and be like, "Yeah, we're gonna be like Star Wars." And like, I totally got everything came across from the dark elves like that, especially when um, Thor and Loki and Jane Foster get into the Millennium Falcon, and <laughs> they take off and they take down all those like columns and stuff. And I'm like, there's totally a scene in one of the Star Wars movies where they're escaping the Death Star and there's kind of a rocky takeoff. And I'm sure, I am positive there's some line like, oh, huh. you must have called over there. Or I like that where it's like a rocky takeoff before yeah. they finally get free. Right. It was unpleasant. It was very just cringeworthy to hmm. watch it play out. Yeah. Especially knowing that it was probably intentional. Which is worse. Exactly. I, yeah. So it wasn't know. a good homage. Like an homage right. should be like bowing down. Like I'm not worthy. Not like we're going to butcher what you, what right. you made. Oh, uh, is there anything else? Um, anyone wanted to add for, for overall enjoyment? Any other alternate oh, titles? I do have two more. Yeah. <laughs> I had, Oh God, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I think 
the, the best title is Thor Oopsie Daisy. <laughs> uh, did either of you give this hot mess any extra credit? <laughs> yeah, I gave right. it 10 points for ending. <laughs> no, I give it two. <laughs> Me too. Wow, that is a first. No extra credit from anybody. That almost makes me want to give it just a pity point just because, but I won't. All right. So before um, I, I had, I had a lot of notes and, and just because this is already, this is kind of a long review. So um, I'm not going to go through all of these like I had intended to, but I did before we give our final scores. Um, I did just want to address the fact that we are not alone. This movie is almost universally hated. Well, even, I would say it's universally hated. I found some reviews that did not think it was the worst Marvel film, but it still did not get good reviews by anybody that I found. I looked at about 10 different lists. It was almost always uh, 19 out of 19 um, so far, because as we're recording this, and I know The Lost hasn't come out yet, so there's only the 19. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, it is the worst ranked Rotten Tomatoes. It still has a 66%, which seems high. Um, and speaks to Marvel's strengths that that's the, the lowest, but um, it is the lowest on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, is the lowest on um, Esquire rated them all, and Entertainment Weekly both rated them all. So Esquire uh, rated Thor of the Dark World as, as the worst of the Marvel Universe, and this was their one-sentence review. When even Chris Hemsworth biceps aren't enough to make a movie watchable, you know you fucked up horribly. <laughs> True. Um, and this one's a little bit longer, um, but I think it's still pretty good. It's still only a couple sentences. This is Entertainment Weekly's description. Uh, they call it Thor the Dark World, the Batman and Robin of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, no. Mm. They went there. It's not, not inaccurate, though. Um, Dark World is an incoherently plotted misadventure overcrowded with comedy sidekicks. Darcy the intern gets a romantic subplot. And blind leaps of narrative logic, astrophysicist Jane Foster accidentally discovers an all-powerful mystical substance, all of it cursed with undercooked villains whose motivation is basically destroy everything because evil. The reality-ripping final battle scene is nifty, but really Dark World only works when Tom Hiddleston's Loki is on screen. Can't really disagree with any of that. Um, yeah, that's, that says it all. It, it really does. Um, one of the only reviews that rated it, uh, this one I'm only going to mention, I know, I know we're running low on time, but, um, this one, because we had talked about this same ranking on, a on the, the first Thor review that we did, Business Insider, for whatever reason, has a ranking of all of the, the Thor movies, and they ranked Thor, the first Thor, lower than Thor The Dark World. Um, what? Yeah, they rated, um, Iron Man 2. And the Incredible Hulk as the bottom two, which I don't blame them there. That's definitely um, that's going to be the dry factor, I think, for us as far as, as the worst is going to be uh, this one, Incredible Hulk, and the Iron Man two. Uh, I think is pretty much going to stay at the bottom three for us um, as far as as far as me and Tristan who have, have rated them all. Um, so that's you know, if it, if it was Iron Man two, the Incredible Hulk, and then Dark World, I'd be on board. Um, but then they have the first four as the third worst. And then Avengers Age of Ultron, which I know a lot of people hate, but that still seems really low. And then Captain America, the first Avenger, still below Thor Dark World, which finally comes in at 14 of 19. Um, wow. And this is the same review they had called the first Thor too formulaic, which we talked about quite a bit as being not, not even making sense. <laughs> 
um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but then this is what the, the same person had to say uh, for uh, Thor The Dark World. Is Thor The Dark World uneven, unfocused, and too reliant on Natalie Portman's barely written Jane Foster for its entire plot? Oh, yes! But I love my Thor movies, and I stand by this one, which is one of the most hated uh, in the MCU. I love how the relationship between Thor and Loki develops throughout this movie, showing more layers than the first Thor or even the Avengers. Excuse me? <laughs> Loki shows some remorse for what he did in what? New York. What? Then. What? And Thor shows some empathy for his adopted brother. Adopted in parentheses for some reason. Uh, I saw it twice in theaters, and this was years before I had movie pass. Um, what in the actual fuck? Yeah, so I mostly just, I know where I keep saying we're, we're, this is a really long review. Um, but I wanted to read that specifically because we had read that same, uh, from that same list in Thor, and we're equally as befuddled because it, and especially, I mean, this starts off as, I love my Thor movies, yeah. and both Thor <laughs> movies are in the bottom, bottom five. Like, what? Are you sure you love your Thor movies? So I just wanted to get that out of the way before we give our final scores, because mine is uh, pretty low, and I'm worried it might be the lowest of all of us. Which is weird, because I thought for sure, Tristan, that, that yours for this one would be lower than, than The Incredible Hulk, but I don't think it will be. It's higher than I thought it would be. All right. Uh, well, who who would like to go first with the final scores? I guess I'll go first since I probably have the highest score. Uh, the total for this one came out to 50.4, which is significantly higher than I expected. Me too. Wow. Um, and I think that's just because it was nice to look at. And it had yeah. Loki, and that's it. Because there are yeah. really only two, two positives. I think this is one of the most boring movies yeah, the and needlessly boring. It yeah. could have been just pick up the pace a little bit, add some more dialogue, cut out that exposition. Like there, there, yeah. there's a there's a root of something potentially interesting here, and it's just I think that Plato analogy was the best. It's just a uh, everything thrown something. together. <laughs> How about you, Em? I gave it a forty-five point five, which I'm sure is way too high. But because of the lighting and camera work, that basically carried it. Yeah. That everything else, the acting, the writing, the sound, the aesthetics, it just, the impact on film, like everything, besides like those two categories, you yeah. know, the things that you're really trying to absorb, like, it wasn't doing it for me. And the fact yeah. that you have a Captain America cameo. And it's such a toss away. I was going to say, we didn't even yeah. mention it this whole right. time, which I believe that was one of the Joss Whedon rewrite scenes, which does not surprise me because it was one of the only times we <laughs> laughed in the whole movie. <laughs> not my, if you're wondering about my feelings on Joss Whedon, you can listen to my Avengers review. I've got conflictions, but anyway, rant for a different time. Um, it's one of his few sort of original qualities is that he yeah. can write jokes. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was a script doctor before he ever made it. Like, that's, sure. that says something. Like, he's, he's he been would... punching up scripts for, for years. Um, so my total, um, I'm a little surprised it is the lowest, but not too much lower than yours. Um, I gave it a, a 43.8, uh, which technically does meet expectations. It's on the very low end of, of that ranking or what have you. Um, and really... The same thing that you were saying. Like the only thing that that really saved it from falling below expectations, um, largely is is Tom Hiddleston. It's pretty much it's Tom Hiddleston, a little bit of the lighting, even though it was kind of a mixed bag for me, 
and the the set the aesthetics in general those those three things are what quote unquote saved it from a bad score when it's still by far the, the this is by far the lowest for me this was worse than the incredible hulk which i think um i, I think the incredible hulk was um oddly i never thought i'd say this it was it was a better written script um oh, and and it was uh, i mean there was nothing like like with with this movie not only was it a worse script than the incredible hulk to me um but i love these characters and i love yeah. the first movie and i love everything like it's not just the writing in the first movie it's the uh the the camera work the lighting the everything the acting and in all of those categories except aesthetics it fell short with this movie um so it's, it's not just that it, it was not that great of a movie to begin with but then it went even below that yeah it was definitely very disappointing for those of us oh, yeah. who liked the first Thor. yeah and even for people who didn't like i mean this is i mean the first Thor is not that high on most people's lists but it's not the bottom and and this is almost universally the bottom and if it's not in the bottom 16 was the highest out of 10 lists i found 16 out of 19 Ooh. Um, and that was the Business Insider one that was weird. All right. Well, was there was there anything else uh, either of you would like to add for for the Dark World? It was two hours too long. <laughs> True story. I have nothing to add. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This was such an interesting film to <laughs> critique because of just like what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah, this what I kept saying like multiple, multiple times throughout the last like week. I'm like, man, I can't wait to talk about this movie, but I don't want to watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. So this was. I, I'm glad we got to to sit down and talk about it. I think we had some some constructive things to say. I don't think we were too mean. Uh, I think we were very honest. And um, I mean, it's not controversial to say this is just not a very good movie. No. I want. To befriend Patty Jenkins and get so close that we can like go away on a vacation, have too much tequila, and I can be like, so tell me, Patty, what actually happened <laughs> yeah. with Thor Dark World? Right? Yeah. I'll sign the NDA. I don't care. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think that is uh on that note, gonna wrap up our discussion of of Thor Dark World. This is, uh, I think, going to be our longest episode yet. Um, but this was uh, really fun. I think we had a really good discussion. Um, and uh, if you want to find out more about the grid rating system, you can check out uh, grittyfilms.com slash the grid. That's gritty films spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com slash the grid. Uh, you can also uh, check out the Patreon account at patreon.com slash gritty films. Learn how, to, how you can help support the podcast. And uh, please review and, and rate this podcast on iTunes would be greatly appreciated and help us get more listeners. That would be super awesome of you. Uh, so with all of that said, uh, we will see you next time.